0: red pill you know us just two guys going beyond conspiracy theories getting right into the heart of the conspiracy itself i'm jason spears with my co-host christopher dean locked and loaded join us for a very interesting conversation
1: as we discuss in this week's intel briefing behind the mic the twin slugs of blood and testimony you know most
0: of us would like to think that our relationship with jesus has made a significant difference in our lives But is that true? If we look back, can we see where following Jesus has actually made a difference? Well, we're gonna do just that with Christopher Dean coming up right here on Operation Red Pill, Behind the Mic. (laughs) Ladies, Gentlemen, mere mortals and those mortally wounded, because, you know, life can be hard. But everyone from across the podverse, welcome back to another segment of Behind the Mic, where we sit down with ordinary people to discuss some extraordinary topics. Now, we have got a lot to discuss today. I'm talking about a magazine's worth full of good stuff to get into. We're going to talk about the value and power of our testimony, why we have it and what to do with it the dangers of living in ignorance and a real life telling of the freedom that can be found in Jesus Christ but now hold up wait a minute you got to slow down I know you're in a rush to get in that good stuff but we got to take care of first things first and that
1: means I gotta welcome my co-host Christopher Dean <laughs> how's it going bro? <laughs> what's going on man not much I was uh in preparation for this episode I was cracking up because you did your testimony. And, and COVID experience last week. Right, right. So in preparation for this one, I kept hearing that scene from Guardians, and again, we watched it way too many times. Which scene? The scene uh, from Guardians 2, where Drax is like, oh, man, she just told your deepest, darkest secrets. That's got to be so embarrassing. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, do me, do me. <laughs> you would be that dude. Yeah, so this whole time I'm putting it together, I'm like, do me, do me.
0: You are now on the <laughs> chopping block. So- Without further ado, we are going to hear your testimony. Yes. But before we get into
1: it, Christopher, I have a question. Yes. Why did you opt to name this "Blood and Testimony"? Because there's a real interesting scripture in Revelation. Okay. That it talks about how the the elect or the believers overcame him. You know the the dragon by the blood of Jesus Christ and their testimony. Okay. And the okay the nerd's gonna come out. Of, for a second, there's a a Christian artist named Carmen. There was like an 80s to 90s. He was real popular, and he had a um. Well, he had a a very eclectic style, and he he was a great great musician. He did some some very gospely type songs that I wouldn't necessarily get into. Okay, he did collabs with a bunch of um, contemporary artists. Well, at that time, contemporary artists like DC Talk. So he was in like a kind of an 80s hip hop song, even though that wasn't him. He was just like this real uh, put together like suit and tie Italian dude. Right. All right. So but he does all these collabs. But another thing that he did is he did like these little skits. He did one called The Witch's Invitation where he tells a story and there's music in the background and there's all these theatrics and stuff added. Okay. When you bought the CD or the tape. Mm hmm going back that far.
0: That's a while back. Yes. CDs and tapes? Yep, yep. Oh,
1: wow. But he had this one called Satan Bite the Dust, and we actually did this skit in church. It's done in like a Western theme, but it's actually like the, the theology and the spiritual warfare behind it is pretty cool. He goes into this saloon, and he's like this gunslinger for Jesus, right? Okay. And he's taken out um, like the spirit of false religion, and he's going through and just kind of wreaking havoc in the saloon, and then he finally ends up out in the street um, at shown out with Satan. And, he, and he, he talks about how he's got two rounds. Okay. He's got two rounds for his revolver. And as he's talking about it, he's loading them as he's, you know, staring down Satan in the street of the saloon. He's okay. like, one of them is called the word of my testimony and the other one's called the blood. And he rolls it back in. He's like, Satan, bite the dust. Pew! So that, being that that was so important. You know, and- you had me on the edge of my seat <laughs> right until, and- yeah, that. You can
0: fix it in post. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think that needs to stay. I think people need to Please, understand what I'm dealing fix with it here. In
1: post, so I sound cool. No, because even your son
0: would make a better sound effect than that. Like you have built this whole thing up. I was listening to it. I, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta go find this music video. Like this sounds dope. And then all of a sudden, like the entire gun went flaccid, and I was like, what in the world was that? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if we can fix that, Christopher. That that that
1: might just have to stay. Okay, okay.
0: He's
1: like one of them is called the Word of My Testimony, and the other one's called the Blood, and then he rolls it back in. He's like Satan, bite the dust. But I, I can't imagine that that didn't play some role into, you know, doing an episode about my testimony and in Revelation. You know, all those things kind of came together. I think you actually even came up with the twin slugs part. To, you know, to make it sexier, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, that was you. I'll take the credit though. Okay, that was the favorite part of the whole title. <laughs> yeah, uh, twin, uh, slugs. twin Slugs. I was like, I think I like that. that yeah, that sounds nice. No, yeah, it was good. I'd listen to that. Uh huh. Blood and Testimony sounds messy. I'm like, I'm not gonna listen to that. But Twin Slugs
1: <laughs> sounds like it needs cleaned up. It a does, bit.
0: it sounds like a medical issue. He's, he's, he's I'm sorry, IL 5, we got a little blood and testimony on there. <laughs> we just clean that <laughs> up, please. But Twin Slugs, it looks all, like a, <laughs> right? A twin text-apolic. Slugs shut up <laughs> <laughs> i don't ever want to hear jackson pollock from you again <laughs> like i can never see that term <laughs> hear the term without seeing it see what i mean yeah horrible synesthesia
1: over there so christopher you've got the floor man what do you want to talk about here with your testimony well before i really get into it i wanted to lay the groundwork for why i think a testimony is even important and then kind of deal with this satanic control matrix that's shifting the culture out of out of the idea that a that a testimony carries any weight which is interesting it's this weird almost word magic kind of thing that's going on cognitive dissonance and i think it's it's rooted in the satanic control matrix i think it's rooted in scientism Hmm. but i think it's relatively easy to poke holes in it we just have to take the time to do it all right so an I would say that the colloquial term for a testimony, because testimony is almost Christianese, right? You hear it, but what is it? You yeah, know? it's funny.
0: It depends on what circle I'm in. Okay. I'm either you're thinking legal or I'm thinking church. Okay. Those are like the only two places where you hear about a testimony.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: Right? and uh-huh. e- even, even in a legal case, you only have to put your hand on the Bible and promise that your testimony is going to be right. And then you don't really hear about it anymore. Okay. Yeah. That's churches true. though. You hear it all the time. It's just
1: like, I don't, I don't know if I want to have a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can get that. But I think a, a term that we could use today is an anecdote or anecdotal evidence. We, we hear this term a lot, right?
0: My, my, my favorite word. Yes.
1: That you can never say, right. never pronounce
0: that <laughs> word correctly.
1: Well, it's really a person's testimony. I came up with a uh, found a definition for it. It says evidence in the form of stories that people tell about what has happened to them. Cool. That sounds good. But in this, as scientism is, is getting pushed in all the corners of our society, this idea of idea of anecdotal evidence is insufficient. Have you heard that? Yeah. Like, oh, this medicine, you can't say that this treatment works, it's only anecdotal. Right. You can't say that this is whatever, it's only anecdotal. It's it's not proven yeah, in the age by of, science. An, of,
0: of empirical data. Yeah. You don't want anecdotal information. It's like a, considered a lesser form. Right. And easily dismissed in our environment mostly. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's it helps the cause of the person who wants to accept <laughs> true, it.
1: True. True. Right. Then of
0: course it's it's perfect. Like it's exactly what we needed. Yeah. Even John knew this. John, <laughs> tell us about your what happened.
1: Or interestingly enough, I hadn't even thought about it until just now. But like um, social emotional learning, and you have um, the the education system that, that's um, oh, what's the other term that I'm looking for? Not Black Lives Matter. That's just a, a side movement. But the um, uh, critical race theory and intersectionality. You know, let's sit down and have a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. the idea that science and, and, and math and things are are racially biased. So let's just sit down and talk. That's how we can get to know people is, is to hear their stories. So it's interesting how they play this game that sometimes we'll allow it and sometimes we won't. And then you will get, end up in the court system. And if you have eyewitnesses to a crime,
0: mm-hmm.
1: open and shut case. Right. But what is an eyewitness? How do you get any information from an eyewitness without them telling the story of what happened to them or what they saw? Oh, you
0: can't trust the Bible. It's just full of anecdotal information. Right. Wait, wait, wait. How'd I do? No, that was good. That uh, was good. I said it you correct, said it right? right? Yeah. Correct. All right. I got it on record. It's on <laughs> digital wax. I can set it right one time.
1: Okay. Okay. And it's it's just crazy that they they play this word game. I found a, an article from The Guardian. It says anecdotal evidence has to be, has the power to change minds, but facts are paramount. So there's this there's if you say an eyewitness, it's one thing. If you say tell a story, You know, for intersectionality, that's a different thing. You say anecdotal evidence, which is the same thing. It's a subcategory of information.
0: I'm messed up at facts or paramount. Okay. So if I'm, it it says anecdotal evidence. I'm not going to be talking a lot during your testimony, by the way. (laughs) But you did ask me before we started. No, interject,
1: interject. I don't want this to just be a monologue. All right. How do you have anecdotal evidence and then
0: later say facts are paramount as though facts are separate from anecdotal evidence. That's what I'm saying, yeah. It, it, it splits it apart. That's so much cognitive dissonance right there. Right.
1: That's 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 crazy. Uh-huh. That's, that's insane. I found this other article written by Jim Frost. says, learn how anecdotal evidence can trick you. It says, anecdotal evidence is a story told by individuals. It comes in many forms that can range from product testimonials to word of mouth. It's often... Testimony. Interesting. Or a short account about the truth or effectiveness of a claim. Typically, anecdotal evidence focuses on individual results, is driven by emotion, and presented by individuals who are not subject who individuals who are not subject area experts. Oh my
0: gosh. Dude, meme culture, pop culture, everything rests on this whole idea of tell your truth. Uh-huh. How is tell your truth not this?
1: Because it's a different term. This is anecdotal evidence. It's completely different, Jason. You don't From understand. From tell your truth? Yeah. Tell your truth is
0: anecdotal evidence. <laughs> well, that's the second time I said it.
1: You're on a roll. I'm telling you. No, it's exactly the same.
0: But nobody else is going to believe it because if you tell them, it's going to be eyewitness testimony, which will be considered anecdotal.
1: Right. It's It's really just a... An easy out for if you put if you get someone in a corner or whatever, be like, oh, that's just anecdotal. Hmm. But so eyewitnesses, you know, we talked about them in a court case. Mm -hmm. We we can we recognize the importance of someone saying, look, this happened to me, and we can't have the the extremes or the exception be the rule, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, somebody can lie about their experience. Yes, somebody can even be in court and lie about what they saw. But that doesn't – we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. And I think – if not intellectually, individually we understand this. Because do you, do you ever buy anything online? Ever? Or I guess the question would be do you ever go in a store and yeah, buy That would anything? be more accurate
0: So <laughs> I buy almost everything online.
1: Right. Do you ever look at the reviews before you buy something? I do. What are the reviews? Reviews. That's,
0: that's what they listed under it's the reviews no <laughs> no when you go on the site you don't look for anecdotal evidence that's not the section you find it in. you find it under reviews
1: well okay that's fair but if we're not playing this stupid word game reviews is just anecdotal evidence and it's sufficient for the individual when learning at what things you want to buy where you want to invest your money but somehow it loses all of its power it from a cultural standpoint. It's ridiculous. It is. We really should be able to rely more. I mean, not just blindly. I don't think you should even look at quote unquote scientific facts and be like, Oh, they said it was a scientific fact. So we should just believe it. But there is credibility to a testimony, to anecdotal evidence, to eyewitness accounts. And I think that's why the Bible highlights that in revelation, because how else are you going to know? How else are you going to know that the things in the Bible are relevant, are impacting the world now? Right. It's, it's, um, what do they say that God's not a, a, a vending machine or an ATM? Have you heard that? I have not. So you can't be like, oh God, if you're real, then, you know, turn my water into wine. Oh, it didn't happen. So you must not be real. You know, that would be the kind of scientific approach to proving that God exists. Right. Okay. B- but it's, it's limited in the fact that it, God doesn't submit himself to to the wills of men. So the the best way to find out if the Bible is still relevant is people that are actually doing it and not just testing incantations and things like that. So it is the testimony. It is the eyewitness accounts of people that have experienced the, the supernatural power of Jesus Christ in their life. This is the anecdotal evidence that says, look, you know, yes, we've, we've looked at it. We've tested it. It's, it's historically accurate. It's reliable. Now I've lived it out, and this is this is what it actually looks like.
0: Okay, but a moment ago you were talking about reviews, and if a person says, "Here's one of the problems I run into with reviews," you get, let's say, out of a 70 of them are like this product's great. Okay, twenty or so-so, and then you've got the you've got a handful they're saying this thing sucks. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, which one's true? That's one of the problems that you run into. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. An example, because there's always mixed reviews. There, there are, and so even when it comes to testimony, how do you know that you're getting a reliable testimony? How do you know you're not dealing with embellishment? How do you know that you're not dealing with something that um, you can't rely on? Because if we say all anecdotal evidence is factual, mm-hmm. then what do we do with the experience that clearly doesn't line up with the truth? I mean, this person is saying this was their experience, but maybe that wasn't exactly what happened.
1: Okay. Well, I'd say, like anything— we need to engage our mind. Like we have to be careful just because it's in a particular category, just because it's scientific fact, we can't accept it. And just because it's anecdotal evidence, we can't reject it. All right. That's a good point. We have to look at why, like if going back to the review example, I've seen a lot of reviews that are like this product sucks because the package that it came in was broken. (laughs) Well, Hmm. that doesn't say anything about this. This product sucks because it took a long time for me to get it. Right. None of that actually has to do with what you're talking about. So you have to turn your brain on and engage your mental faculties when you're taking in information. Is it logically consistent? You know, is it empirically adequate? What's the other one? Experientially relevant. Thank you. I jumped in too quick. I was like, oh, no. Nope. Oh, I was amazed. You had already <laughs> got to the second one. I was like, he's going to do it. Nope.
0: I felt like Adrian there with Rocky. <laughs> you're
1: going to do it. And no. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but that—that's that, why we're doing the show together. Okay, I'll give you that. But yeah, so you have to you have to apply all those ways of thinking, no matter what category the information comes in under.
0: Okay, because I've heard I've heard uh, I've heard people like Votie Bakke
1: uh-huh,
0: actually decry personal testimony.
1: Yeah, and that's actually something that I was afraid of, or I was concerned when when putting my information in here is because one of the things that he and he hit it kind of hard. I uh, I came away a little. A little tender after that episode. Because he has this this whole, I don't know if it's a tirade, but he goes on and he he says that a lot of people tend to embellish their testimonies. You know, you might have one drink in college and 30 years later when you're telling your testimony, you were getting drunk every weekend.
0: You ought to hear some testimonies and how they develop over time. Person took a sip of whiskey when they were a teenager. All of a sudden, after 20 years of telling their testimony, I used to get drunk almost every day after school. But here's what's worse. You have Christians in church who listen to these inflated testimonies who will say this phrase, I don't have a testimony. We're all about is these powerful, captivating stories. That's a testimony because it tips the scales.
1: It gets people to respond. So, and I'm still not sure where this line is, you know, where to draw between talking about the things that I've come through and boasting about. The things I'd done wrong. Because I've, I've been there. I've, I've, I've told a lot of the stories that you're going to hear today, mm-hmm. proud of them, excited about them. Like, this is my life. I'm just loving it. Uh, so one of my prayers in doing this is that anyone listening to the story realize that it, it's me telling a story about what the Holy Spirit has done in my life, not a story of all the nonsense that I've overcome.
0: Okay. So essentially... What we're gonna do is go on a ride with you. Uh huh. Over the last ten years.
1: Well, no, 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 no. Oh, we're not doing the last ten. No. So we're going on a ride with you for how long? The whole, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. Is that well,
0: it? Well, we opened up with the synopsis, basically asking the idea: you look over the last ten years.
1: Uh huh. Can you see
0: where Jesus made a difference?
1: Yeah, but to to be able to appreciate the change that's happened over the last decade we're going back further. you got to go all the way back okay to, to have an appreciation for the relationships that jesus has restored in my life you have to know how bad those relationships were in the first place in, and okay. in those type of things okay so it's a long journey but it is to tell that within the last decade how my life has been completely transformed by knowing jesus christ and submitting my life to him
0: all right so rewind me back Now, we got a little snow in the air. Yeah. Mother Dean is at the hospital. Yep, squeezing me out. You make your way into this this blessed world. (laughs) And uh, at at four foot three, newborn, (laughs) you stand up and look the doctor in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Say, don't smack me again.
1: Ask for three fingers of whiskey and a stogie. That That was it. That's how I came out. That's how you came out.
0: I really thought you might have gone with uh, what the dude said in Predator.
1: What's that?
2: You were once quoted a saying, I dropped from my mother's womb, I hit the floor, and I started crawling through hostile territory toward my grave. <laughs> that's badass. That's
1: pretty morbid. It's pretty dark. You know, that was not bad either. That, that ain't bad for twin slugs. <laughs> no, no, right? it's not. Maybe that, if, that's maybe what if I would have gone, if gone if with. Find that in post, you know, maybe throw that in. You
0: know, for the right amount of money. You know, you, we might be able to doctor this up a little bit. No pun intended.
1: So if we could get some more people on our Patreon,
0: no, this is not what Patreon's
1: for. <laughs> for bribing no, takes it to edit, takes it, post. And suddenly, our Patreon membership plummeted <laughs> overnight. Oh, uh, that's funny. <clears throat> but no, that's not why it's there. So yeah, go all the way back to the beginning. And like most people, I don't remember the first couple years of my life. Okay, but. This, I, I'm not sure if this is one of my first memories, but it's one of my first heavy memories. And it, the, the gravity of it was kind of revealed very recently. I was talking to our mutual friend, Dom. Okay. And he was telling me about this book, The Intentional Father, that he's reading. And how one of the issues that we have in culture is we have no coming of age moment ceremony or whatever there's nothing that we can look back on and, and and say at this moment you became a man right and in this book this 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 guy i i can't remember the the guy that wrote it but he's t- telling a story on how like to have that coming of age one of the things that he did was he gave his son a gift gave him a knife you know to try to say you know you're becoming a man this this is this is a tool that can help you you know through the rest of your life and all of that and Dom doesn't know this, but he will when he listens to the episode. Uh, it kind of hurt because one of my first memories is my dad giving me a knife. He's in his room, and I remember there being some tension, and his bedroom was right across the hallway from the bathroom. So my mom's in the bathroom doing her hair, or whatever mom's doing in the bathroom. I still don't know. <laughs> and my my dad's going in and out. You know, there's, there's clearly some tension. My dad's going in and out, and I'm just playing with some toys, laying there on the floor. And... uh he, he handed me this knife,
0: mm-hmm.
1: never had a knife before. And I remember being so excited. Like, I don't remember ever receiving anything from my dad before. And, uh, I looked at my mom and she gave me that look of, um, uh, not disappointment, but she didn't approve, right? Disapproval. Okay. So I was like, Oh, you know, you know, this is, This is nice. This is, you know, it felt kind of manly. You know, it's a gift from my dad and it's a knife. And my mom's like, eh, I don't know if it's a good idea. She didn't take it from me. But it was just enough to be like, yes, this is cool. And it was so precious to me for an hour because the reason he gave it to me is because he was going through all of his stuff in his bedroom because he was moving out.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. And just that to go up on this, me and my dad are bonding because i'm I'm a man, not a man now, you know I, I didn't have all the words, but it was so special, and then he just left, and that was the only reason he gave it to me. I don't know if he didn't have room in his trash bag that he was packing or whatever, but it just crushed me, yeah,
0: I can understand
1: yeah <laughs> it it was brutal, and it just kind of began this this weird adolescent struggle to figure out what all this was about. Like it was a rude awakening to the, the adult life. You know what I mean?
0: No, explain that.
1: Well, just like the reality of divorce, Okay. the reality of people leaving your life, you gotcha. lose out on things. I specifically remember um, mm. that Christmas, that next Christmas I woke up and I remember the Christmases before that, not specifically, but I, I remember that it felt like a different day, right? Like you, you didn't have, you didn't set an alarm on Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody had to come and wake you up. You just woke up with this excitement that was building from the night before because Christmas is a different day. Like it's the whole thing.
0: I'm looking at you wild, like crazy right now.
1: I see that. I don't know
0: why. Because we had a conversation in one of our prior episodes. Uh We were talking about, Christmas and like going back to those moments. Yeah, and you were like, I don't, I don't have any of those. I don't. But you're describing I'm, this. I'm, right I'm now.
1: describing what I know it was supposed to feel like. I have no specific memory of waking up on Christmas morning excited. Okay. But I have these memories because I remember waking up late the first Christmas without my dad. So prior to that, prior to that, it, I remember it being a good time, and I remember it through the filter of waking up on this Christmas and it felt like. Any other day. About
0: how old were you when this happened? Roughly. Oh.
1: See, if you ask questions like that, you're going to get disappointing answers.
0: Oh. Uh-huh. You're, you're bringing me into it.
1: Right. So. No, I just, I don't have a good scope on on timeline. Eight, 10, May, 15. Maybe eight. If, okay. if you ask my parents, they would know better than I would. Okay. So you're like 10 or younger. Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah, and I remember waking up and it. I was like, this is terrible. Because this... Something has happened. Something has left my life in in this, even the celebration of this holiday is, is um, diminished. Hmm. So the, I don't know, the the divorce was, was really, really impactful for all of us. And, and for, and it's so, unfortunately, it's so frequent that we lose the, the, the damage a lot of times. You know, oh, it's just normal. What is it? Fifty-five percent of marriages now ended in divorce.
0: It's a pretty high number.
1: Yeah, and you can't go, and I mean, we can get into all the details of that. But people are like, well, you can't stay together for the sake of the kids. And I was that kid. And no, divorce wreaks havoc
0: on a person's life. In fact, um, I don't. I know know you and I have talked about aces. You know, acute childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. What is it? Adverse. Not acute. It's adverse childhood experiences, uh, but they rank divorce. I think equal to losing a child or a, a a parent.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: As far as the amount of damage and stress that it causes on a person's life, especially to the to the child, mm-hmm. how it destroys their world. Like it is probably one of the most traumatic things that an individual can go through.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still have like, I don't think that I'm, my behavior is affected by any of the wounds that I incurred anymore. And, and we'll get into that as we go on. But I definitely still have scars. Like some that, that the, <laughs> interestingly enough, keeps coming up even to this day, which is just mind boggling how impactful it was. That on, on that day, my dad was leaving. I didn't know he was leaving. You know, we, I just mentioned that. But we had started this bonding process. So I thought it- knife. Through the knife, right? Yeah. So he went outside, and I thought it'd be funny to lock the door. Just as a kid, right? Like, okay. oh, if I lock the door, then he's got to knock, and I got to let him in. Like, it, it's, it's weird. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. But he came back in, and the door was locked. And now that I'm an adult, I realize that he thought my mom locked him out, so he left. Wow. He left and didn't come back. And... Nathan, the one that I'm always talking about who's smarter than I am, he thought that dad didn't come back because I locked the door.
0: So that has to wreak havoc between your guys' relationship.
1: Yep. And then Jacob, who's the the youngest, he didn't even know what was happening, so he kept asking, when's daddy coming home from work? Because he thought he was just at work for days and weeks and months. And part of me carried the, well, if, maybe if I hadn't locked the door, maybe dad wouldn't have left. Like I know I didn't do it to make him leave, mm-hmm. but the way that my brothers responded, I carried that maybe maybe it wouldn't have happened. So much so that I see my son now at two years old thinking it's funny to lock doors. And that is really healing for me. Because I get it. I was like that, I, I wasn't acting out. I didn't have this Freudian issue. I didn't want my dad to not come home. It was just a goofy thing that a kid does. Mm -hmm. But I I had to carry that for years that maybe I was the reason that my dad didn't come home. Yeah, dude, that is brutal. Yeah, so moving forward, and the story ends well, so it's kind of dark now, (laughs) but it ends well.
0: Well, you know me, I'm already listening and I'm already looking through the circumstances of the story you're telling me. Mm-hmm. To see the spiritual aspects that are at play, okay. So I'm looking at damage and trauma mm-hmm. already happening just in that that microcosm of a moment. Your mother's got issues that she's she's fighting through. Mm-hmm. Plus, now she's she you know she's got her marriage that's just dissolved. Your dad has his marriage that's just dissolved. Um, she's now got the parental component with you having a knife that I'm sure she doesn't prove of. right. She's got, I'm sure questions of this, how you're going to raise our kids. You're going to be fighting against (laughs) me. I mean, there's already that going on. Yeah. Yeah. Then you come down a level to the children and you're playing this practical joke on your dad with no idea that it's going to create this situation that that's going to have this emotional component to it. That's going to be levied on your shoulders. Your brother Nathan sees it happening. He now has an issue with you. There's like um, dissension going through that whole family, just spreading. Mm-hmm. And then your your youngest brother completely out the loop, wondering what's happening, all from one moment. Yeah, and seeing how these seeds planted are going to manifest years later. It's crazy. It, I'm I'm trying not to get teary eyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's rough. Only just to see how Satan works, how sinister things are.
1: Yeah. But we've gotten too far ahead. <laughs> Continue on. So <clears throat> we get into the the whole visitation thing now, right? Mm-hmm. So we realize Daddy's not coming home from work. He's not coming home at all. He has a different home. And so do we. So we start going on these visits. and I mean, there's story after story, whether it be flea infestation or... I mean, just all kinds of stuff. My dad was effectively, and, and if anyone has listened to the show, has heard me talk about my dad, I actually have a good relationship with my dad now. That That's part of the beauty of it. We. We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my dad was effectively like the villain of my childhood. He, um, he would, when he would pick us up to, <laughs> the, my first experience with the cell phone was that my dad wouldn't come to the door to get us, he would, he would honk. But when we graduated from honking, it was because he had a cell phone. And I remember thinking it was really cool. Like it seemed like we were had money or something that my dad is in the parking lot, but he, or in the, um, the driveway, but he's still able to make a phone call. Right. Okay. So that was my first experience with higher technology was, was through this horrendous visitation process.
0: Right. I'm sorry. Crack it up. That's all I can hear. I didn't think Dave Chappelle was going to make a presentation <laughs> in this episode. You doing your testimony, but all I could hear is, "You was a little kid."
2: <laughs> I'm <rich beyond> <laughs> that's you,
1: it. You can fill in the rest. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Because your funny. dad has a
0: cell phone. <laughs> that's hilarious.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, same thing with a camcorder. My my first experience with like a video camera was the fact that he needed evidence in case we ended up in court which we were constantly in and out of court because he was taking us to uh or taking my mom to court for uh violation of whatever divorce rules or, or what have you. Okay. So he would record. And there's something very cold about your dad coming to pick you up in a pickup truck with a, with a camcorder on his lap. Hmm. To make sure we get in the car, because if we don't get in the car, then my mom's in contempt and we're going back to court. It's just weird. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. But a, a camcorder is really cool. It's the one that we did the the stop motion Star Wars figures with. Okay. And and there was a bunch of conflict with that that whole process. Like being a kid, I don't know exactly how it all happened, but I remember one of the big ones was that. Uh, my par- my grandparents were having their 60th wedding anniversary on a weekend that we were supposed to be with my dad. And he was like, oh yeah, that's fine. You can go to that. No, no problem. And then that weekend shows up and he, he shows up with his camcorder and goes, well, if you don't get in the car and we're going back to court and we didn't get in the car because he had told us that we could go to the, so it was just this weird legal game all the time. I just remember sitting in the courthouse so many times because they were like, well, what actually happened? What actually happened? Horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. So, And then beyond that, uh, my dad was physically abusive. How so? Um, Not as much with me. Like, we had a couple, like, shoving matches and pin me up against the house and go ahead and try it, boy, and I'll put you in your place or whatever. That wasn't so bad as much as, as Nathan. Nathan got the worst of it. I remember one time. I, my, it might have been the first time. We were helping my uncle move all day. And... Kids get feisty, you know, get tired and, and antsy or whatever. So we're headed back from the last trip, and Nathan's being a little loud, maybe laughing loud or maybe yelling. I don't know. Maybe he was just outright yelling. So my dad starts hitting him in the back, like repeatedly, closed fist. And So we're in a pickup truck, and it's my dad and then Jacob, the youngest, and then Nathan, and then me, and I'm all the way on the other side. And I remember just sitting in the, the, the truck, and my eyes are just filling with tears because my brother's getting beat right next to me, and what am I going to do about it? Hmm. And he's got a bunch more stories about getting woke up, being kicked in the back, and it it, it got kind of bad. And that was just at my dad's. So then at my mom's, my mom remarried this guy named Jim, and he or was she
0: married him again.
1: No, or she. she just oh, sorry. Him? She yeah. She got remarried. Okay. Is that how you say it? No, or is remarried just to the same person? Now you got me all messed up.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of messed up too. Let's just clear it.
1: She got married to a different person. Okay. Jim, my stepdad, who wasn't any better, and he was even he was more physically abusive. So there's this this one instance where uh, we had just got home from my my dad's. He dropped us off. And I guess we had a couple golden retrievers, something about their medicine, they weren't allowed to run around outside. So the gate had to be closed. Okay. And we come home and I kind of had a crush on the neighbor girl. So I come home, the dogs are inside. I go Technically,
0: up- that's the girl next door, right?
1: Yeah, it was the girl next door. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so I go over and talk to her, but I open the gate, the dogs aren't out. Okay. So I just I open the gate and I'm standing there by the open gate talking to the neighbor girl and uh, I think her mom was washing the car and we're just having a conversation. And then my stepdad lets the dogs out and I'm standing there with the gate open. I didn't realize he let him out. So okay. they get out of the gate. <sighs> and it became this whole thing. He's screaming and yelling. And he called me back inside. I go inside, he's yelling at me some more. And I had just had a weekend of like yelling and, and abuse. And I was like, I, I don't, I had reached my tolerance, whatever. I don't know what happened in my head. And I walked outside, like as he's yelling, I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And uh, he follows me outside and he's picking me up and trying to throw me like in front of the neighbors, which is weird. And uh, so I was like, no, I've really had enough of this. So I I ran. I ran out the, the backyard, jumped the fence, uh, ran through the neighborhood. And he, as I was yelling, <laughs> some part in it, he threatened to call the police. I don't know what I did. I don't know if there's, I'm still too young to drive. So I'm under 16 at this point. I don't know if there's charges on letting dogs out. I don't know what's going on. So halfway through the neighborhood, I'm like, well, maybe I'll go back. Maybe this is stupid. You know, you calm down a little bit. You get tired from running. And then I hear police sirens. I was like, oh, so he really called the cops. Guess who's not going home?
0: Did he really call the cops?
1: Yeah. Well, what I think what happened is I think he called 911 and then was like, this doesn't make any sense, and hung up and didn't answer when they called back. Okay. So they sent cars out anyway. Okay. But I didn't know that. Right. right. All I know is this this douchebag is throwing me around, threatening to call the cops, which again, it's funny how you so many things you don't understand as a child. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool, I'm I'm gonna keep going. So I walked all the way through the neighborhood, and then we had like a secret hideout in the backwoods, probably somebody's. Private property, right? But it was this little like place that was tucked away. But that wasn't far enough for me, so I walked past that, and I walked through the creek, and I just kept walking and kept walking. And apparently, this creek goes right by a um, prison (laughs) that that sat out behind our house. Really? Yeah. So, and I just kept walking. It was the weirdest thing. Like I kept walking. So it gets dark, and then I'm coming up this hill, like behind people's houses, and now I'm like, well, now that it's dark and i have no food or shelter i'm going to have to do something about this and cell phones weren't a thing so i had to knock on this guy's door and i'm covered in like what are they burrs and you know tears in my clothes and my feet are wet cuz i walked through the creek and mm-hmm. so i got to knock on the door and he comes out and he's like i was like hey you know i'm really sorry to bother you but can i use your phone i need to call i need to call somebody to come and get me So he does, and he's like, so what's going on? And I was like, well, you know, I just kind of spilled the beans. I was like, look, this is what happened with my stepdad. I kept walking. I don't even know where I am. So he kind of gives me his address and tells me. so. And at this point, my older sister had moved in with my dad. Okay. So I call my dad, and my dad answers. And I was like, can I talk to Allison? It's like 9 o'clock at night, and I never call. So clearly something's going on. And I was like, hey, can – Can you come and pick me up? This is where I am. This is what happened. So that happens. And and now you got to explain to one abusive father figure why the other one, like, it's just a weird thing to have to juggle. Like, so the one's mad at the other one for doing the same thing that he does. Just, just bizarre. Like you don't know how to categorize it. Mm -hmm. So the, the last physical altercation I remember having with my stepdad, because Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. While I was gone, he attacked my younger brothers and my mom. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I determined at that moment I'm not leaving again. Like, this is my home. This is my family. Somebody's leaving. Not going to be me. And, of course, uh, him and my mom, so my stepdad and my mom, decided to go to some church event. And they leave. And I think my uh, my sister was over helping with the dishes. Maybe she was babysitting. Like, I still really don't know how old I was. Not old enough to drive yet. So okay. something under 16. And I'm playing music in the music room. And, and Nathan's playing video games in his room or whatever. And apparently someone left a bowl on the front porch. Which, to a psychotic parent, is just the unforgivable sin, right? Okay. But I've got headphones on playing music in the music room. So you're not going to hear them calling you? I'm not going to hear him calling. Nathan's playing video games with a projector and like four 15-inch speakers surrounding him. He's not going to hear anything. My sister's doing dishes, playing music, and having a fan on. She's not going to hear
0: anything. No. All three of you are ignoring me. Right. So
1: he has a meltdown. Right. Runs back out to the car, yanks the keys out of the car, unlocks the front door, kicks it in, yelling, screaming, throwing stuff. And then I had just another one of those. I'm done dealing with this. No, I'm sorry. That wasn't the moment. He comes into the music room after yelling and screaming at everyone, profanities. He goes, excuse me. And that was the most uncalled for excuse me that I had <laughs> ever heard in my whole life. So I set my... Uh, my guitar down, take the headphones off and turn around just as calmly as possible and look at him. And even though I'm young, like I'm looking at this six foot tall man eye to eye, right? Right. And I look at him and I was just like, hmm. And snatch him up by his collar and throw him across the room. At this point, Nathan can hear what's going on. So he comes flying out of the bedroom and it's it's all on, right? Okay. Throwing fists and stuff's getting broke. and.
0: So it's you two... Beating up your stepdad at that point? Yeah. Okay.
1: So my mom comes in and she has this, she has had this amazing superhero ability. Cause even being younger than 16, I'm probably already larger than she is. Okay. She's, she's not small. She's five eleven or something like that. Mm -hmm. She is always able to like put herself in the midst of, of physical danger and hold everyone apart. Really? So she comes in and separates everyone. Okay. And whatever happened, because at this point, like, I don't know if it's due to trauma or whatever. I'm remembering bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So I remember the fight ensuing. I don't remember exactly what happened or how we got separated. I remember uh, my stepdad holding his face, going, well, I'm not going to touch you. And I remember thinking, why not? (laughs) Try again. I'm ready. And then that's all I really remember from that until later that night, I guess, my mom had sent us off with our church friends. And... (laughs) the only thing I remember him saying, we're sitting in a Tim Hortons and he goes, did you think that the language you used was really the best choice of language to use? And it really hit me that these church people have no idea. Like where.
0: Out of everything you could possibly land on. Right. As an egregious affront to civility and the standards of decorum <laughs> outlined in the Bible <laughs> word usage
1: yeah at this is point, where you land. Yeah. I, like we're talking I, black eyes and torn clothes and I'd have been irate. Yeah. But in, it was in that just like emotionally exhausted spot though. I was just like, there was a disconnect. You're not really friends at that point. Like you're so on the outside. You have no idea how to help me. And this kind of, carried through my whole perception of the church in my life. If I have to defend my family against people that have promised to protect me and you're concerned that I was not, my vocabulistics was off in the midst of it. Like you have nothing to offer me. I don't need to talk to you about any of this. Like we can wave when we pass each other in the hallway at church, but you've got nothing. You, you, have nothing to offer me whatsoever.
0: You just showed me you're impotent in dealing with whatever issues. Yeah, I need dealt with uh-huh. like completely incapable.
1: Yeah, it was really sad.
0: I get it. I, I I get it. That that level of frustration of you know I'm done, mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be the group I can come to for help. Yeah it supposed to be like the final authority. Of, if if inside the family doesn't work, you yeah. know, the parental level doesn't work. Then
1: you take it to the church. And they're supposed to catch it. Right, and I'm still the one at fault.
0: And if you're representing the God that you're telling me I'm supposed to serve and he's putting you in charge.
1: Right. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, done, done. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you are like preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> yeah, it, but it was, the, it was this event that fight that actually caused Nathan to go move in with my dad. Okay. I, I think he was like, look, mom, you got two weeks. And if this man's not out in two weeks, I'm out. And he wa- And we actually came to my mom with the same thing. We said, look, we're not going to tolerate this. And I was in a weird position because ever since my dad gave me that knife, that was my coming of age betrayal ceremony or whatever. So I'm kind of the man in the house. There's the, I have an older brother, but he never liked – being the older brother. Okay. It resented the fact that anyone looked up to him, didn't like the fact that he was tall, like all that stuff. So he I don't ever remember him behaving like the man of the house. So I always felt like protecting everyone was my duty for for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I just, you know, internalized the guilt of thinking that kick him I locked the door. So all of this is my fault. You know what I I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but I was in a weird spot because you know we were like look you got two weeks or we're leaving. And now I've got more of my family separating and I don't know who to protect because going to my dad's isn't safe either. Right. And, uh, so we give my mom that ultimatum or whatever. And at two weeks she made the decision. Okay. He's out. But Nathan is more black and white than I am. He goes, I said two weeks. He's still here. Deuces. Uh, He's out. Right. For me, I was like, well, she made the decision in two weeks and she wants to make sure that he's, he's gone, gone. So take whatever steps necessary because you're not coming back. So I stayed. Okay.
0: Did this create a further rift?
1: Huge rift between the two of us. Like we almost didn't talk. I remember one time we were supposed to play paintball together and I had gone over to my dad's and I got there early and set up stuff. And I kept calling my dad's cell phone. Like, when are you guys home? When are you guys home? When are you guys going to be here? Cause mm-hmm. Just getting antsy, you know, excited. But Nathan didn't like being pushed. And I don't know if it's a middle child thing or just a Nathan thing. You don't push me. So he got home and he's sitting on the couch. So I walked in. I was like, What's going on? He's like, I'm getting ready. I said, You're just sitting on the couch. He's like, Well, I'll get ready and suit it up when I'm ready. And I'd already been there a couple hours, you know, setting up the field and everything. So deuces. I took off. Like that, we just had that much unresolved tension between the two of us, not yes. even just directed at each other, but just caring independently. We, we didn't know how to communicate, how to, how to get past it or anything like that. So yeah, it created a huge rift. So we ended up stopped. We didn't talk for a couple of years. Then my dad discredited my mom as a homeschool teacher. Cause I was in and out of homeschooling and public school. And, uh, because my youngest brother was still young, she couldn't teach him anymore. So he ends up getting custody of my younger brother. So there's a whole summer of my life that we live in a house with the lights off because if the cops show up to take your younger brother, we're not home. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we did. Like every time we heard somebody pull in the driveway, you know, the uh, turn the TV off, turn the music down, whatever, we're not home. Don't answer the door. Because if you answer the door and it's a cop, We don't have the right to have your younger brother live here anymore. They're going to take him. So I had promised Jacob that I wouldn't let anybody take him. And then the court order comes in, you know, that the sheriff is going to be at your house at this time. You need to be here and your son needs to be packed and ready to go. You can't keep him. So I remember thinking, well, I made this promise. Nobody's going to take my little brother. And I tell him, all right, let's go. It was it was the night before. Mm-hmm. I said, let's go. So no shoes. I think I was just 16 or 17. Not, okay. not, not even an adult yet. Working as a cashier at Kroger. Uh, steal my sister's car. And um, I had contacted some relatives out of town. Two, three hours away, something like that. I was like, hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? You know, we can come visit. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So... I take my brother, get in this car. I remember going in to to cash my check that I got at Kroger in my bare feet because I didn't have time to pack my shoes. It was one of those, like, we just got to get out now. So we drive all the way up and uh, I've got to scrounge through my pockets because there's payphones, right? So I get
0: Wow, it's a payphone
1: era. Payphone
0: era. So you got to get 25 cents together.
1: Yeah. Because I didn't know exactly where they lived. I knew the town, which is a re- relatively small town, but I didn't know their address. Yo,
0: okay. Not only is this payphone error, this is pre-GPS. Yeah, yeah. This is like, uh, if you go past the railroad tracks, <laughs> you're too far. you me sound
1: really old. But dude, it
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I got to go back, like okay. in my mind, because we're not that far apart in age. Okay. And so we have both lived through this crazy technological advancement period. Right, right. Like we both, were. we're the generation of, Text messages when they started. Yeah. We're yeah. also the internet generation. Uh huh. Like, we remember when there was no internet. Yeah. We remember you had to go get that AOL CD.
1: Uh huh. For yeah. free, <laughs> put it in. Yeah. The yeah. dial up, all of that stuff. Oh, uh, that's crazy. That nobody yeah.
0: else can relate to. Uh-huh. So, when you said, you know, you had to go make a call, I'm I'm still in modern day frame of mind. I'm like, well, you got a cell phone. And you're like, I had to go get, I was scrounging my pockets. I was like, for what? Like, Gum? <laughs> and you're like, no, I need to change. I was like,
1: oh to make it. This call, is yeah.
0: Ameritech. <laughs> right? Like the Ameritech's payphones? Yeah. Yes, Christopher. I remember. <laughs> right? And so you gotta like kind of plan your route based on where payphones are. <laughs> you gotta call people to get like zeroed into their place. Okay, I'm in the area. You know, where are you? I and mean, they gotta tell you exactly, you know, how to get to their spot. Right, right. Totally different way of navigating. Oh yeah, they're doing life, uh huh, than what we do
1: today. Yep, that's
0: wild.
1: <laughs> that's funny. I hadn't put those pieces together. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just so you know, I'm listening. Okay, okay, I appreciate that. See, I get up there, I call them like, hey, you know, we're here, we're at the gas station or wherever in the world I was making this this crazy phone call from, and they go, yeah, but they're not home. They go, well, we found out that your dad is pressing pressing kidnapping charges on you. And we can't be aiding and abetting a crime. You can't no. come here. Yeah.
0: Your dad uh-huh. was putting kidnapping charges yes. against you. Against me. Because you wouldn't allow Jacob right, to come live with him. Because it was
1: in defiance of the court order or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I had wow. kidnapped my younger brother. And nobody would help me because nobody wanted to to get in trouble with that child. Not to mention a stolen car. Oh, my sister didn't care. Okay. She wouldn't impress charges. But I mean, just for you, your sake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stolen car, stolen sibling. Now nobody can help me. And I'm in a town that I know where nothing is. And I'm a cashier at Kroger, so I can't afford a hotel. So I got to drive three hours back realizing that this promise that I made to my brother, I can't keep.
0: And have you explained any, any of this to him at that point? I don't remember. Okay.
1: I don't remember. Now, later, I found out that my dad or my mom's attorney was like, let him press kidnapping charges on his own son. See how that looks in court. But you don't, I didn't know that. I was 16, 17 years old. Nobody's helping me in a strange town. It was horrible. Horrible. Right. Yeah. So that's about the extent of my like, quote unquote, childhood. I mean, there's a lot more, but we're we have to fit it into one episode. Right. So I go to I go to move out and, and, and be on my own. And I haven't I haven't yet abandoned the church completely. They are
0: hanging on by a dire thread. They
1: are, but it's at this point that I'm asking I'm now as an adult and I have the verbiage, I'm asking questions. Okay. You know, about what's going on, how do I deal with this? And I mean, like, m- My mom has been a diehard lover and believer in Jesus the whole time, but she was never able to answer any questions. She just didn't know. She was one of those. You just believe it. And she's got evidence throughout her whole life. It'd be an interesting story to have her come in and tell, you know, the miracles that she's seen and that type of stuff, but didn't ever have a way to explain that to me. Cause I remember we got into a, a heated heated debate about the song summer in the city. Hot town summer in the city yeah. back of my neck getting dirty, getting dirty.
0: <laughs> I only know that song from Die Hard by the way Okay cuz you know that's not my music Right 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 <laughs> like, so I was like at why are like, you singing How do you know this <laughs> What is happening <laughs> You know this whole month for you has been a complete <laughs> coming of age about who I am Yeah <laughs> You don't know this is something special <laughs> <laughs> That's great All right but what was your argument over that
1: So she said it was a bad song I said, why? She said, because you're with a girl all night. And she's like, you don't know what you could be doing. And at this point, I didn't, I still didn't even know that sex outside of marriage was something the Bible expressly talked about. I really thought that my mom, this was, she was like, I didn't do it this way. You can do it better than me. I thought that she was just trying to live vicariously through me so I wouldn't make the same stupid sexual mistakes that she did. Because okay. it, even, it even resulted in a conversation when I was like 20 years old. Somebody was like, the Bible says you can't have sex outside of marriage. I was like, where? They were like, what do you think fornication is? And I go, what? Hmm. town in
0: California. <laughs> 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 that's what it felt like. <laughs> <Once> again, <laughs> I don't know how many people would have got that joke.
1: Oh, I love great. that you got that. Oh, for sure. That's wonderful. Californication. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I, I, I really didn't know. But to this debate I got into with my mom, she was like, yeah, you're with a girl all night and you don't know what you'll be doing. Because, you know, it says at, at night, it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on. We'll dance all night.
0: Never made it that far in a song.
1: Okay. that That's like the hook. Okay. Um, and I'm like, mom, you're dancing all night. You know what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with dancing, is there? Well, no. Well, then why would there be anything wrong with dancing all night? You're not boinking her. It says right there in the song. <laughs> 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 you're, you're, <laughs> your language choice
0: with your mother. <laughs> your vocabulistics are great, so you switch right into Roger Murtaugh.
1: Oh, yeah. Did <laughs> explain your point? That's amazing. And, and, and we couldn't resolve it. So I was kind of coming from this, like, what are these rules? They don't make any sense. Right. And my mom was the best. Like she is really one of the best examples of, of a, someone that loves like Christ that I've seen in my life. Okay. And I think a lot of the stuff that she instilled in me, even though she didn't have a good way of explaining it, has really helped me out as an adult. But when you don't, when you can't give those answers it really left me lost it really let me left me feeling like or thinking that this thing has nothing to offer you know you get mad cuz i use this language you don't like this song because you think you're doing something that the co- the song explicitly says they're not doing like what is with these people and it just as i became to or as i as i matured and tried to sharpen my brain i i kind of was able to outthink or think circles around most of the people around mm-hmm. me, which mm-hmm. is not good. I am not boasting in that in any way. It it gave me a false sense of superiority because I was still an idiot, even though that I could think around these these different topics. I was still stupid and ignorance has its mark all through my 20s. But I was like, if no, no one else can help me, and I didn't know where to go to get help. So I ended up moving out on my own. I ended up in... In and out of a bunch of poor relationships, I was never, I was rarely the, the sex driven, red blooded American male that you hear about. I was still soft. And like as I entered into these relationships, with so you weren't like a
0: sexual deviant?
1: No, even though I had been accused of that. Okay. But we could get there in a minute. Right, right. <laughs> no, like I, I was really just dumb. Like, I would go into these relationships, and the reason the Bible outlines, like, the way to do things is because there's all these pitfalls that you can fall into. And my whole life was scattered with just, like, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. Like, one example is that I had done some things and and mishandled some relationships, um, just friendly relationships, um, professional relationships or what have you. Okay. So once I I got out of a toxic relationship and kind of was able to look at it, I was like, you know what? I need to go back and apologize. So I go back and apologize and end up involved with this woman that I apologized to and then shortly after her sister. Oh, well, when in (laughs) Rome. Well, I was really just I was trying to figure it out. And so I was trying to be a good person. You just had a little too much confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I didn't know how to navigate. I didn't know how to respect. Didn't know why sex was important. Didn't know, you know, all of that. So here I am just trying to be the nice guy mm-hmm. and wrecking people's lives. You know, in and out of relationships and hurting people. And
0: now You say wrecking, There, there's no double on top. No, it's just 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 messing up the light. Just yeah,
1: hurting people's feelings and I all of that. You. But but never with the intention that I'm just gonna get over on somebody. Right. I, I think one of the issues is my mom warned me about the dangers of men, which sounds weird. Yeah, because I'm I'm curious. What you what did she? So mean? W- when she grew up in the 30s or when. <laughs> well, and why warn you? Well, because she wanted me to be a different she wanted me to be different than the rest okay, of the men. I got you. But never warned me about the other side. Like the dangers of women. Dangers of women. Okay. So I, I literally thought, and this is how dumb I was. I literally thought, well, if my intentions are pure, it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm not in any danger of getting in trouble. What? I get off at midnight and you want me to come over and have dinner? Sure. I'm just hungry. Hungry. See? genuinely, like it sounds to, I was genuinely hungry and got there and end up involved in a situation where I'm like, well, how did I get here? How did I get here? And then you look back over, you know, my coming of age days or whatever. And you're like, wow, that's really messed up. I was like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't know any better. And I had asked questions, but I didn't know any better. So this type of conflict in this, kind of self-imposed trauma led me to engaging with different substances. So one of my favorite things to do was painkillers.
2: this won't hurt you. Before I put it in, close your eyes and count to 10. No need to dismay Close your eyes and drift away Dimmer on
1: They say not to add painkillers with alcohol because it heightens the effects. That's not what you tell a 20-year-old that's looking for a high. (laughs) I was like, that's great. So because these are hard to come by, I can drink my brains out and only take a couple. And it's great. Okay. That's why you drink with painkillers because it heightens the effect. Is it true? Oh, yeah. It really heightens it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. You have
0: not. Okay. So. Why didn't we pop popcorn? <laughs> what? Next Next blood and testimony you know, we episode we do, we need popcorn. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Not that I'm making light of your life. No, if you no. know me well enough.
1: No, yeah, we can. I, at this point, we can laugh at it. Like it sounds really bad, but I'm so thankful for so much of it. It sounds weird, but we'll get there. So, in a weird way, I was trying to come. Ignorantly get my life together. Okay. So I had a friend that smoked a lot of weed, and that was, I didn't really like it. It felt irresponsible because it was illegal. At least legally, some people were allowed to take painkillers. So just really weird lines. Yeah, I don't
0: think you'll get arrested for having (laughs) painkillers. No. But you can for weed. Right. Yeah, so it's in a different category. It's not, I don't think painkillers are, well, depending on what kind you get, Uh they might not be a controlled substance.
1: Oh, they were a controlled substance.
0: Oh, well then here you might have an issue.
1: Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't know. And it right. reminds me of the the Bible that it's like, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And this was I, I I genuinely thought that this made sense. I was like, don't bring weed over. I don't want to smoke anymore as I'm popping, oxycotton and chugging whiskey. What? Perfect sense. But it felt responsible in my mind. Like that's. I I don't think that. We, at least I didn't, I can't speak for anyone else, but looking across the world, it doesn't seem like people appreciate how stupid they are a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Like to be humble. It's probably
0: the, the, the equivalent of nobody, nobody actively decides to believe a lie.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right. You're, you're, you're not like, I think I feel like getting lied to today and I want to believe it. Uh It's probably the same thing when it comes to, not, real, not realizing the degree of foolishness that we're walking in because it takes a higher degree of wisdom, which is antithetical to foolishness. Right. That's why people can look back and be like, uh-oh. Yeah. That was really bad.
1: If you can't look back and go, uh-oh. Oh, that's really, you might really bad. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, there's a quote that said, the only thing that's administered equally to every human is common sense. Why? Because no one thinks they're in need of more of it. I was like,
0: "Oh, that's, that's dope.
1: I like that." Yeah, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna have to use that. <laughs> so here I was, being the responsible one, popping painkillers, saying, "Don't, don't bring your weed over." Meanwhile, me and my brother playing uh, Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. and we'd play a song and do a shot of whiskey and pop a pain pill. So every three to five minutes we're doing a shot and popping another pill this is a problem are you guys bonding by the way at this moment bonding yeah so we kind of got back together through substance abuse okay like we found out that we like to drink and hey we've got these things so this is kind of how we've the the limitations of our relationship at this point Interesting. we enjoyed getting together but it was mostly just to drink okay and I don't want to say that it's disingenuous because we were brothers, but we, we still hadn't really overcome that stuff. We're just trying to figure out how to get by. And, and alcohol and painkillers and weed help you when you're in that state. Mm-hmm. When, when you carry all that anger and confusion and all you are is high and you can sit in the same room and laugh at a TV together, it's, it feels like you're healing when you're not. I wish
0: the church collectively had a, a better grasp and understanding on that. It's not to diminish the the effects mm-hmm. of those choices, but it is to say that there's a reason why people are drawn to these things. Yeah. It's not arbitrary. Mm-mm. You know, it, it serves a purpose. And I think most most of us in the church are guilty of, of, of looking at the action, but not understanding the circumstances that predicate the decision to engage in that action. Yeah. So we only look at maybe half the situation.
1: Right. We, unfortunately, the church has gotten really good at addressing the symptom and not the cause. Exactly. Which is not what Christ does. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks. So here I am. By the time my friend shows up, I'm 10 sheets to the wind, right? Just I'm sorry. Is that a drinking term? I think three sheets to the wind. I don't know what it means, but yeah. But you're a 10. Super drunk and high. Okay. And he shows up with a beer bong, which I'd never done before. And he was like, it's okay. I just brought a little bit of weed. I brought it in my travel bong, which... I found out later that night because I was already high, so all my inhibitions are are gone. So I'm like, cool, you got weed. Why not? Here we are. His travel bong was not a miniature bong, it was a giant water bong that he just kept in the passenger seat of his car.
0: While he was traveling.
1: Yes. <laughs> all right. Like easily two to three feet long. Like it was a it was a full yeah. So I ended up smoking a bunch of weed which I, I didn't even like to do. I never liked the way that it made me feel. But here we are, just this is the environment, anything to stop from hurting. Now, we never would have used that term, but that's what it was, that being awake and sober was terrifying and confusing, and we didn't know what we were doing with our life. This made it, it made it simple and was the, the lubricant for these relationships, So we do that, and then they show me how to bong a beer, which is the first time I had ever done that. And apparently, I did like half a case.
0: First time out?
1: Yeah. I remember doing the first one. I was like, I just drank a whole beer. Now I'm not advocating for beer bongs. Okay. But I was like, that was a whole beer? Load it up again. And uh, I ended up ODing. Really? Yeah. So the last thing I remember saying, you know, load it up again. And then I'm I wake up to me throwing up on myself on the couch. Whoa. And Nathan had, like I said, he's always been ahead of me. Somehow everything I've gone through, he's like, oh yeah, I already know about that. So he he recognized the fact that I wasn't waking up to throw up, that this is a bad sign. Okay. So he takes me to the bathroom strips me down, throws me in the tub. And I'm still not even sure what's going on. But I, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I don't remember how to breathe. Really? Yeah. You're aware of this? I'm aware. So I'm laying. I don't feel um, cognitively inhibited. Mm-hmm. But I'm laying in the tub, not 100%. Like I could get up and stagger around. It was more like it felt at this point. My awareness was that my body was drunk, but my mind wasn't. So here I am inside a body, and I don't remember how to breathe. And I'm laying there thinking, this isn't good, because you should be breathing. And I wonder how long that you can lay here not breathing before the lights go out. So my brother gets the shower head. It was a shower head that you could take off. Turns cold water all the way up. Splashes my naked body with cold water. So I gasp for air, and I'm pissed. How dare you do this? I'm I am in a compromised position. Why are you splashing me with cold water? Breathing quite well, gasping for air. He literally had to do that for the next hour because I was so intoxicated. Whether it be the whiskey, the uh, oxycontin, the weed, or the beer—I don't know—but that combination shut down the. The anatomic system um, from knowing how to breathe. The only way that I could breathe is he had to let me lay there naked in the tub and every few seconds splash me with cold water so I'd gasp for air and that's how I was breathing for an hour. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the story in and of itself <laughs> is wild. <laughs> Yes. But what I'm zoning what I'm honing in on is the fact that your brother that you're estranged from, mm-hmm. and that you guys have got this extremely tense, semi-volatile relationship. Yeah. Could have let you die. He could have. And for whatever reason, shows enough love to save your life.
1: Right. And was smart enough. He knew the dynamics of what was going on and knew how to handle that situation when it came up. I don't know how he knew that. But he did, and, and I would not be here if it wasn't for Nathan nursing me back to health by splashing me with cold water. So that puts me in just this, this weird spot. Like I'm still not even completely convinced that what I was doing was wrong. I just had a little bit too much. Okay. And uh, it really breaks my heart how I treated my brothers looking back.
0: Both of them or, or just are you All primarily saying Nathan.
1: All of them. Okay. It's it's weird because you're just you're just a sibling for so long and then you're an adult and you kind of have to look back. And there's one thing that I can kind of instill in in my children is um how to treat your siblings. And we didn't necessarily treat each other bad, but survival was so primary to getting through that relationship was kind of secondary. Like we were close a lot of times just because of proximity or close because we were fighting the same fight, but didn't really know how to navigate relationships. Like I I remember finding one of Jacob, who's the youngest, his journal later on like cleaning out, you know, closets and whatever. And you know, in his journal, you know, he wrote that he thought I hated him and and kind of stuff and I wasn't super mean, but there just wasn't any any of that tenderness? Uh, yes. There was no tenderness because we were all just trying to get by. And it kind of breaks my heart now. And to make it worse, and this is this is me being and it, it's kind of funny I'm, I'm I'm talking about it in the like myself in the third person almost because the person that I was then is not the person that I am today. So my brother that saved my life, right? Mm-hmm. we end up getting along a little bit more and then we end up working at the same job for a while and seems like things are going well but i still have a lot of unresolved issues and this comes out as the the manager at the job begins behaving like my dad and then i start having and anyone that knows me today is would find it hard to believe i start having anxiety attacks shut up yeah like you're, not, full, you're not
0: scared of anything. I'm not. Yeah. I'm
1: not. But Mr. like hike on a volcano.
0: <laughs> you had anxiety attacks?
1: Yeah. One time I specifically remember uh Seventh Heaven was on the TV. Something about uh the guy got one his son got caught with weed in his pocket or something, and the dad loses it and starts yelling at him. But because I'm watching a father figure yelling, just you know, lashing out in anger or whatever, anxiety attack. My hands start shaking. My my heart goes through the roof, or whatever
0: I was gonna say i don't I have a family member that that suffers from that uh-huh. I used to suffer from it really really badly mm-hmm. and one of the things i w- I was talking about uh, I think with my my brother in law and my sister uh is the fact that most anxiety related issues mm-hmm. I don't think are because of fear they're normally in the result of trauma, okay. So it's interesting, even at this point in your story, you're going back to a a trauma, a a trigger point of the trauma you've suffered in your life Yeah, that seems to to produce the anxiety attack that you're you're telling us about.
1: That is interesting. So I have these anxiety attacks, and I realize that they're getting worse, but I don't know what to do. I feel trapped at my job. I tried going to HR, and it turns out HR is just there to protect management from lawsuits. And so I really get, into this, I wasn't actually trapped, but it felt like I was trapped. My dad had been out of my life and I still had to deal with this. And that made me angry. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you mess me up so bad? Because I have the awareness that I am messed up, that I'm still dealing with this even though I'm not dealing with you. And that didn't help. You know, that adds to the, to the trauma. And it got so bad that the same brother that saved my life, I end up trying to kill him. What do you mean? For nothing. For nothing. And I don't mean like, oh, I want to kill you. Like, people say that. Right. We got into a fight about something. I don't even remember what it was. And I knew I could feel this, like, I could feel that I was boiling on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to get out. So I grab my bag and I go to run out the front door because I'm like, if anything else happens, I know I'm going to lose it. And uh, I think we were both staying with my... My mom at the time, okay, and arguing about something, and I go to run away, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm sick of your crap or something. I don't know what I said. Like, told him to shut up. I think as I was leaving, and he goes, "Make me." And again, I have that snap moment. Cool. This is an open invitation. So I run at him, and uh, he's the runt of the of the litter ironically ironically he is the smallest it like six one six two probably six one about he's a, like six even six even he's a
0: little sh- little bit shorter
1: okay me. and his prime he was six one okay six one uh maybe 180 pounds so at this point i've got almost 100 pounds on him and he's like make me cool daddy-o so i completely lose it i run in and i'm I'm choking him out in the kitchen. Okay. Like literally watching his face change color and he can't release the grip that I have on him. And he's tears up my neck, like draws blood from my neck as he's trying to claw. And I'm just watching completely emotionless. You, you said, make you, this is what shutting up looks like. And I'm, and I'm choking him out and I would have killed him if it wasn't for my superhero mom that comes in and lifts, One of us, or lifts us both up off the ground, one arm each. I don't know how she does this. You know, the whole like mom that sees her baby in danger can lift a car. Uh huh. Like she literally comes in, grabs us both by the. This is not the testimony
0: embellishment we were talking about earlier. (laughs) No, no, no. Because I know your mom.
1: If you ask Nathan, he'll say the same thing. Really? She separated us like off our our feet off the ground. Wow. Pulled us apart, and she's like, "You're gonna stop." and and we stopped and it 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 just boggles my mind how knowing that he saved my life how I'd be in such a a damaged state that I would then try in turn try to take his is crazy to me mm-hmm. so at this point I'm like now I know I need help mm-hmm. before it was I have issues Now I'm like, I need counseling or I'm going to kill somebody. Because he had even considered, you know, filing charges or whatever against me, which would have been, I mean, well in his right to do so. If my mom wouldn't have been there, I don't know if we'd both be here today. So I end up going to a Christian counselor and he's like, are you okay if we pray or whatever, if I bring the Bible up? I'm like, sure, whatever. At this point, I'm like, you can do whatever you want. I don't think that it's going to work. I told him that. I said, but I need something, and I know that it's a daddy issue. So I, I go for a couple weeks, and he's doing the typical psychiatrist. You know, well, how does that make you feel? And I think after about a month, I was like, look, I know that all of this stems from the way that my dad treated me. I want to know how to fix that. We don't need to run circles. We don't need to spend more time in here trying to uncover it. I know. I have the awareness that that this is where the damage comes from, at least to some degree. How do I fix it? And he, he gave me some tools, none that I remember. But but one thing that I do remember is he goes, well, can I pray? And I kind of scoff. I was like, pray all you want, buddy. So he prays and nothing happens. I don't feel anything. What is exactly what I expected. Absolutely nothing. Until the next week when I go, would it help if I call my dad? And I didn't aware, I was not aware at this point until like years later, how ironic this prayer doesn't do nothing. Should I call my dad? Right. <laughs> One week turnaround. And I'm like, you know what? I think I could talk to him. So he's like, if, if you think that it's a good idea, still same, still feels like just that grotesque clinical, clinical well, if you feel that it's a good idea, yeah. then maybe you should give him a call. So I call him. I was like, dad, um, haven't talked in years. Maybe we can, we can get lunch. Not, don't even want to do dinner. Not willing to get up early enough to do breakfast. Let's just do lunch. So we meet at Chipotle. And I literally just met with him because I didn't want to carry this. So this is what I told him. I said, I don't want to carry hatred around for you anymore. I don't like you. I don't love you. I don't want a relationship with you. But I can. my life cannot sustain Holding hate for you anymore. And I just asked you to lunch so I could tell you. I don't want to hate you anymore. So you can have that. We don't need to talk again after this. But you need to know that I don't hate you. And that's it.
0: What was your dad's reaction?
1: He listened. Hmm. He was like, I get it. And I said, I don't know how anyone else in my family is doing. He's like, I, I I said, I said, I know that that Nathan hates you even more than I do. You know what he said? What? He said, Nathan called me last week. Shut up. Yeah. Really? Nathan called him and met him for, for the lu- same thing? For lunch to try to restore a relationship, but never told me because he knew that I wouldn't hear of it. Crazy,
0: right? I really want to know what the guy prayed.
1: Yeah, I don't remember. I just know that he prayed something. Oh, Christopher, you missed the best part. I know, but I was in it like at that point, I was like, it doesn't, this doesn't change anything. But Cra- that's why you have to document so you can prove it doesn't change. <laughs> oh, I'm so curious. What
0: if he had really prayed, like, restore this, you know, re- restore the relationship between uh, Christopher and his father? Yeah. And the rest of the sons that are involved that I'm hearing about.
1: Uh huh. It'd be crazy. But really? but that's what began to happen. All right, go on. So, I need my second bag of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so this this begins to heal the familial side of things. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still not all in on Jesus. Um
0: Wait, wait. Can I can I back you up for a second? Yeah. So Nathan calls and meets with your dad. Yeah. Do they square things away or it's it's a little bit rocky. I mean, I know it's not going to be a one one and done.
1: Yeah, but they they did. Okay. So much so that we all actually started hanging out. Not regularly at first, but it was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's all go to dinner.
0: So for the people listening, would you say there's value if you have not just parental issues and and wounds, father wounds or mother wounds, um, but if you you have Broken family and broken relationships with, within the family unit. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there is real benefit to sitting down with that person that you believe is maybe the the cause of it, and actually having a conversation? Because I know people, myself included,
2: mm-hmm. who've
0: gotten that advice. Yeah, you, know, you need to have a talk, and it's like, yeah, you don't understand. I had that talk. <laughs> Yo, that's that's
1: a volcano. From my experience, I. I would recommend it, but I would not recommend it without prayer.
0: That's a keen, very astute insight. I'm glad you said that.
1: Thank you. Because we could have had that, that lunch and it could have ended up way different. Right. If, if there wasn't intervening from, from a divine place. Because there's a lot of brokenness, mm-hmm. a lot of abuse, a lot of years of hate. To, to have that kind of melt away is nothing short of a miracle it'd have
0: to be you you couldn't explain that scientifically
1: right because just I mean out of the blue all of us almost at the same time kind of cleared the air and allowed this space for my dad to come back into our life
0: did your dad own any of the 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 villainy villain you don't know try to say
1: villainy thank
0: you yeah did he own? any of that I could only do one hard word a day. So I've got anecdote down.
1: There you go. That's all you need. Right. So so villainy
0: <laughs> is out there. But yeah, did he own the villainy of 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 your your childhood?
1: He did. I can't remember any like specific like you you did this, like specifically beating Nathan in the truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember that, but it was more principally and conceptually. Like this is what happened. This is the damage that you did. This is the this is what I'm carrying.
0: Did he hit you with any of those? Like, well, I, I I just you know was doing my best. Nope,
1: none of it. Didn't he try to all of it. He He's it. like, I get it, and apologize for it.
0: Interesting. Would you say you forgave him at that moment?
1: It took me a while, and okay. and this goes to something that we actually talk about a lot off the air. I'm not sure how much we've talked about it on the podcast.
0: Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we can go on
1: to our next segment. Well, no, just I just want to hit it briefly. <laughs> but a lot of us think that forgiveness is I say I forgive you and it's done mm-hmm. it's not that it's the it's the work to forgive again every time you think about that um violation violation thank you yeah it, it's it's a it's a process and every time you you forgive every time you decide when you think about that violation it it can get a little bit smaller and it can get a little bit smaller. So I began to forgive my dad at that moment, but it still took a while. There was still some, some heated moments. I remember one time I was coming home. I had gone to Cleveland with my girlfriend at the time and I was coming home and my dad was, so I was still living with my mom. So it was my mom and me and my three brothers all lived together Mm -hmm. and I was coming home from Cleveland and my dad was there. And this was after you know, we were trying to fix the relationship. I was like, I don't want him to be there. I felt offended that you guys invited him into the place where I live without asking me. I don't want to come home from a trip and have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Like we were working on things, but it's, it took, it was definitely a process. So I stayed away until he left. And then I came home and I was still irritated with everyone else I lived with. Because you should at least ask me. You should let me know if someone's coming into my space So I can know how I want to interact with that.
0: Yeah, I get that.
1: But no, it it began this even more ridiculous miracle that as he began to hang out with us and we lived with my mom, he began to hang out with my mom more. Okay. And he was just a different person. And it was really weird for my mom because this dude was the villain. Like I don't know if it was weirder for her because she didn't reach out, she she was just like fine having him cut out of the picture and all of that, right? But she knew what her boys needed, so she was open to it, and <laughs> they ended up getting along kind of well. They went out a couple of times, just the two of them.
0: Just a little backstory because you started with the day your dad left, yeah, but there wasn't much backstory on their relationship. Was their relationship okay most of the time, and just got got bad all of a sudden, or, or was it rocky all the way through?
1: What I've what I've been told is it's been rocky all the way through. Okay. So okay, a good example is that my mom was married before my dad. Okay. And uh, that was horrific. Like they they tried to kill each other. Okay. She I think took a butcher knife to him in the shower. Uh, he tried to smother her with a pillow. And then when she got pregnant with my older sister, he was like, I don't know how to love two kids. I'm balanced. Wow. Yeah. So here she is. I don't know what, like 80s-ish? No, probably 70s. Two kids. And uh, my dad, right before he got stationed in Alaska in the military, he said, hey, I want you to marry me. And moved to Alaska. Hmm. And then lo- leaves. Okay. Like, isn't even around to to get the answer or whatever, as far as I understand. I don't know. I, I've i just got to piece together the little stories that I've been told. I got you. My mom was told, no one else is going to love you. You're a divorced woman with two children. You don't say yes to this guy, you're never going to have anybody.
0: Jeez. Yeah that's an error.
1: Yeah. So th- I think those really weird chaotic non-intimate situations that began their marriage mm-hmm. is probably a testament to how the rest of it went. And there's there's they both uh had very traumatic childhoods. Okay. Uh just for the sake of them I won't go into that. Right. But if you don't deal with those then it comes out in your marriage and just a lot of bad all the way around, gotcha, <clears throat> okay, yeah, so they start hanging out again, and all of this unity is based off of the fact that prayer happened, okay, that from the counselor, from the counselor,
0: okay, because nobody else to your to your knowledge is is praying, right,
1: right, and my mom doesn't want it, like she doesn't want the relationship with my dad okay. And it's all centered around, because my mom has always centered her life around the Bible. So as this stuff is coming about and she's talking about the importance of covenant and the things that God has done and the healing that he's, he's bringing into the entire situation, it's, it's all centered around Jesus Christ and what he can do and the healing that he can bring into a situation. For me, it was just for my dad and I. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't into this. All prayer works. I wasn't into all of this Jesus stuff. I was probably spiritual, and trying to figure out exactly what that means.
0: And you're still a bit pissed and jaded at the church. Yeah. And by extension, then at Jesus Himself.
1: Right. But an, an interesting story, and I I still don't understand all the theological differences here. But we've talked about spiritual warfare. Right, mm-hmm. and taking spiritual authority over a place. Now, I had heard about this kind of in the midst of the the prayer and the counseling and the whatever, and I'm like, okay, well, let me try it because you know I've been, um, I used to hear demons talking at my my dad's house when we would go on visits. Why?
0: Why have we never talked about this?
1: I don't know. I I, I just put them in boxes, and it's a it's a it's a different person. Okay. So it takes effort to to go back. So that's why some of it is coming up now. Um, but yeah, so in my, the, the house that my dad, we would go on visits at night. Cause what we would do is he got up super early to go to work and he had to go to bed early. So to not see him, we'd stay up super late. Okay. Until we heard his alarm go off. Then we'd all turn the TV off and jump into bed. <laughs> all right. So, so we didn't have to interact with him. And in that moment where we're hiding, in the in the middle of the night, because he got up at like two o'clock in the morning to go to work or whatever. Mm. We, it, I don't know about my brothers, but I heard like whispering, plotting demons in the night. Interesting. And then sometimes it would be accompanied by a smell of like sulfur or something burnt. Yeah,
0: yeah. They say that, that they that that smell accompanies them. You know that foul stench normally how it's described
1: okay that's Uh, interesting
0: times sulfur as well for people that are a little more acute okay um or uh, not acute but a little more um astute wow (laughs) one letter (laughs) (laughs) yeah but a little more astute and understand you know what that smell really is like or can draw that parallel it's been said oftentimes that they do smell like sulfur
1: so this wasn't just a me thing this is like a a pretty normal no
0: this is a recognized recorded
1: um, aspect
0: of of demonic activity
1: that I didn't know.
0: That's one of the reasons I think they're referred to as foul
1: spirits. I like think oh, they because do they carry smell a bad. Interesting. So, yeah, as a kid, I remember hearing them plot. Now, I don't remember being able to make out exactly what the plot was, but there was clearly more than one, and they were plotting against us. Us being? The, the children, like okay. me and my brothers.
0: Okay. And you would hear this when your dad got
1: up. Uh, well, yeah, before and after, as we were hiding in the dark, you know, to not see him, we would hear, we would hear the, the, the demons communicating. So I have this idea that prayer maybe does something. And my mom keeps talking about Jesus. And she was telling me about a teaching about taking spiritual authority. And my dad asked me to come over for dinner and then said, you know, we're going to have some drinks or whatever. And then you can stay the night. So I was like, okay, well, let me try this spiritual warfare thing. I, I'd said I was a Christian. I never denounced that. I just came away from the church. So I'm just very confused and trying to piece all this together. But I was like, if there's anything to this spiritual authority, I'm gonna need it if I'm going over to my dad's house. So uh, before I before I go to my dad, I sorry, I go to my dad's before I go inside. I sit in the car and I'm like, I don't know how this works. But Jesus, if your name carries authority, I'm stating here that I am covered by this authority and that whatever is here is not allowed to mess with me or my family while I'm here has to wait outside of the property and just has to leave us alone until I leave. Because apparently this is a thing that you can do. You said all of this? Yes. Okay. So in the name of Jesus, there it is. And (laughs) we go, we have a pretty good time and we get up in the morning. And my dad looks at me, he's like, that was really nice. I was like, what was nice? He said, I have had the best night's sleep that I have had in at least 10 years. And I was like, oh, maybe there is something to this. This is what I was going to ask. Is this like your
0: second experience now with prayer? Yes. Okay.
1: Is in this kind of. From what you
0: can remember? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So, yeah, now I'm going, okay, there's, there's something here, something to this spiritual authority thing. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So this, this relationship or this relationship building that has con- begun continues to grow with my mom and my dad. Okay. And they invite all the family like the older, well, not all the family, all the immediate family. Like my older brother and his wife and his daughter and my older sister and her two kids and then all of us brothers and we go out and have pizza and they reveal to us that we're getting married again. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. First of all, you're not going to speed
2: past that. Like you didn't just say what you just said.
0: <laughs> okay. Pump the brakes for a second. <laughs> so you you and Nathan had made up with your dad. Yeah. What about Jacob? Your youngest
1: I, I don't know.
0: Okay, and what about your older sister?
1: Hang on. Jacob has kind of been like a tag along. Okay. For, for, for a lot of... I mean, he's very much his own person now, but growing up being the baby, he would either attach himself to me or to Nathan and kind of do what the other one did. So if I had to take a guess without knowing for sure, he probably was going along with Nathan on that journey of, of healing. Okay. But I don't, I don't know for sure.
0: And your older sister?
1: Um, I don't know. Okay. I mean, it, it had gotten to a point that we could all, like, we were looking forward to pizza, like, family pizza night. So whatever mending had been done, it had at least been done to such a point that, that the, the general sentiment was we were looking forward to having dinner as a family. Wow. And it had gotten to such a point... <laughs> Just to to put this in scope, that at one point in time, it was just me and my mom in a house. And the older brothers had moved out, and Jacob had been taken away to live with my dad and with Nathan. And she's just, she's like, I know the God that I serve, and this is not the end. And I got angry. Like, shouting match angry. You're stupid. You have No idea what you are talking about. How can you be alive this long and be so naive to how relationships work? Nothing since I have been born has gotten better. It has only gotten worse, and there is no evidence to suggest that it's going to change.
0: Listening to you talk. (laughs) Yes. And the audience part of me is going... You said what to your mother? <laughs> the black part of me. I'm sorry. The melanin ultra rich part of me. <laughs> ultra rich. Ultra rich. Is going, there's no way I would have survived. Saying that to Shirley Diane. Yeah. My my mother. The friend side of me that has seen you and your mother interact. Uh-huh. Is going. He absolutely said that. <laughs> that is the nature of their
1: relationship. That was almost a verbatim quote. Yeah, it's weird going through that. We we definitely had more of a friendship than a mother son. I'm going to say, you know, having dynamic. watched your
0: guys' dynamic, I think you and your mom have a very beautiful relationship. In that, I think you both can. I think your your mom can be what you need her to be as a mom Mm -hmm. um, and allow you to express what you need to express for your benefit for your health. Okay. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. It might go beyond her comfort level or it might go beyond (laughs) um, maybe her preference, Mm -hmm. but I think she knows that her, her child needs this. Mm -hmm. And I think she relates to you based on how you are and you're a very intellectual person. And you are a conversational person, so as you're navigating your internal world, it's gonna come out in the in the metric of words. Mm-hmm. And she allows, often allows you to express that even with passion. Yeah. In ways that you know, I oftentimes <laughs> when I'm around will step in, like, "What are you doing, talking to your mom like that?"
1: Yeah. And I've had to like like you pointed out, reel that in as an adult mm-hmm. to to respect that space that she's given me and not take advantage of it.
0: Which I think is also really cool,
1: yeah, yeah, she's a wonderful woman, but yeah, so I'm yelling at her, you know, how can you think that any of this is possible? and fast forward several years, and we're all sitting down having pizza together and 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 looking forward to being together
0: so to put this in your terms since in our relationship, you're the alcoholic professional <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you said I'm the alcoholic professional And, and not, not the, the alcoholic profe- professional alcoholic
0: <laughs> See, but, words matter They do But I can see right now, there you are on your rant to your mom mm-hmm. And to you, God says, here, hold my beer Oh, yeah And just seven years later, which ain't that long to God uh-huh. Shows up, boss-like yeah. Oh, yeah
1: and goes And you were saying what? <laughs> yeah, I even wrote a poem for the first Christmas that they were remarried Everyone was, all all the family was in the home for Christmas morning. And the gift that I gave her for that Christmas was a poem that said, you were right. I said all of this. I said there was no hope, but you were right. I said we couldn't come together. I said we were never going to be a family, but you were right. And like the end of the poem was like, and look up, you know, look up from the paper because you're surrounded by your family because you were right. That's dope. Yeah. She loved it. That's dope. And yeah, all of that because she was holding on to the promises of Jesus Christ. So I'm still seeing it as the almost third party. Like I said, I kind of got it on my with my dad, and then I kind of have experienced the the strange spiritual side of it, mm-hmm. like the the authority and, and and all of that. But I still don't know how any of this works. Okay. So I'm still kind of on my own searching. And uh I end up getting into a fairly serious, well, no, a very serious relationship with with an older lady. She ends up moving in with me. I I live in a in a small town, not too far from my parents. What?
0: I mean, you you just left us, just oh, from me mind moving by, out. No, I, you just said older lady. I mean, we, we talking grandma.
1: No, let's see if I can remember this. I don't remember. Like was, like Cougar Range, probably Cougar. I think I was twenty. Maybe 25, 26, okay. and between 25 and 28, some, somewhere in that range. Okay. She was 40. So this would just
0: constitute an entanglement.
1: It was a serious relationship. Oh, I mean, okay. she moved in.
0: Oh, no, that's beyond entanglement.
1: Yeah. And uh, she, had a, well, she had a couple children. Her oldest was not that much younger than me. So that was a little weird. Yeah. Um, but what I didn't realize is I had this, like, hero complex, and I, and I, I didn't realize until after. But like, she needed help, mm-hmm. and I could kind of fill this need, and it felt really good to to fill that need. And in in retrospect, it. It was like a synthetic version of all the things that I wanted, right? So here was this this beautiful woman and her child and they were trusting me not realizing that I am ill-equipped at 20 something to take on this responsibility. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to navigate all of these relationships and it's almost like borrowing something that's not yours. Like it wasn't my child, but you couldn't have told me that then. I mean, I knew it wasn't mine, but I was completely devoted. Like, you know, growing up, and being a child all you want to do is be an adult, right? Right. So this was like a an upgrade to that. All of a sudden I go from being this confused 20-something trying to figure things out to now I have this purpose. You know, now I can be the husband that she needed. I mean, we never even got engaged, but that was, you know, I I can be the man, I can be the the father figure. Mm-hmm. All of the sudden I'm granted all of these things that make me feel like I'm fulfilled. It's all the things that I had been striving for, but one, I didn't work for them, and two they weren't mine. but mm. I, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah it was just it, it, it was a synthetic version of those things. okay but it, it had me completely blinded by the reality and, and the dangers of it. There's a horrible relationship, um, very toxic. and uh, I almost kicked her out. But then she, uh, something about her daughter needing to, to be in the, the city so she could continue going to high school so she didn't have to change schools. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom saying that when she changed schools, it was one of the worst experiences of her life. Ruined her education and everything because she didn't fit into the new school. Okay. So I had this weird conflict on if I don't step in, this could be the worst experience of this person's life. And it's been my responsibility for a year. Do I let, how do I let that go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, in this kind of really weird entanglement of trying to be something that I wasn't and take on responsibilities that weren't my own and staying in this toxic relationship, we ended up moving to the town so she could further her, so her daughter could further her education in high school, finish her high school career. Even though against my better judgment for myself, I was kind of giving that to, to her and just bad situation. I didn't like, it was, it was weird. On one hand, I had everything that I thought I wanted. Because at this point, I mean, I haven't talked much about the motorcycle club, but I was in um, a a biker club. I was the president of the biker club. I had a nice condo, two-story condo. I had the girl. I had the child, even though it wasn't really mine. You know, I I was the man. I had the job. Like, what else could you want? Like, this is what this is the American dream, right? Mm -hmm. And I was miserable. There was heights of really good times. But if you weren't on the peak of that good time, I hated it and I, and I, and I felt trapped. Now I'm tracking
0: along with you. Okay. Um, but so far, most of what you've talked about, I, I haven't, we haven't talked about. Okay. Except in some very broad strokes. Mm-hmm. So at this point in your life, uh huh. like I'm not sure where we're at.
1: So this is right before I met you.
0: Okay. So this is the person I met.
1: Yeah, this would be the person that you met. So at this point, because I'm kind of spiritual and I realized that there's something, but the church didn't have any answers. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so prayer works and there's a spiritual aspect because spiritual authority works, but the church doesn't work. So that's where I ended up pantheistic. Like there is a spirit, there is a force, there's something that listens. You know, maybe God is in everything. And I had to just, I was kind of trying to piece all this together and weave it into my life. And it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Like I had all the things that I thought I could, you know, talk and think circles around so many people in my life. And there was nothing. Like I was like, this can't be, this can't be what it is. And I didn't have enough, I knew enough to know there was something wrong and not enough to know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So even at this point I had come away from weed and come away from uh like pills and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because by the grace of God, I never had any like they never had any addictive properties for for me. I didn't struggle. Like there was one like we ran out of pills. We ran out of pills. We didn't have money for beer. Ah, we'll do something else. Like that was just kind of the attitude. Mm-hmm. So it it didn't really have a strong hold on me from from that respect. But at this point, I didn't know what else to do. I had everything I thought I wanted, and every time I every day I got home from work, I was miserable, and I was going through ended up going through like a couple bottles of 151 a week on my own.
0: Of 151?
1: Yeah, I'd come home. It was more cost-effective to buy that. So I would do pineapple juice and 151 when I got home from work. And that was all I wanted to do. I couldn't wait to get home, not to wake the woman up that I was dating or to watch a movie. I would sit in the dark at the dining room table with a bottle of 151 and pineapple juice until I stopped being miserable. And then I'd go to bed. Yeah, you were hurting. Yeah. And did and didn't know what to do. But that's where you show up. So we we've talked a little bit before about how we met.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is one of the reasons that that I I don't know if this is gonna say bad, but I like needed what you had is because throughout this whole thing, I could outthink everyone in my circle. Now I never thought that I was the smartest person in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I I never had that air. I knew like I was always trying to to learn. You know, I just read the encyclopedia and, you know, I took some college courses and stuff. I loved learning. But when dealing with real issues, I could outthink everyone and I had no idea what was going on. Hmm. I had no idea how to fix it. And that's scary. Like when you're at the top and no one can help you and you don't have the answer. Yeah. Like, what do you do? So we have that. You tell me I'm going to hell. We have that conversation. Sons of
0: Anarchy. (laughs) I didn't say that.
1: But then we start going back and forth on, you know, are all sins equal and all of that. And I remember we're we're walking out to the vehicle and you're like, well, you could have had me in this argument here, here and here, but you didn't. And that's why you lost. And I was like, this I have never experienced before. Not only are you out thinking me, but you're thinking circles around me. (laughs) And I was like, this I like. This, this is something face. new.
0: I remember the look on your face. I was like, he's going to be pissed. I, I just met this guy. <laughs> Man, that is a new record on how to lose a friend <laughs> that fast. And your, your reaction was completely it, different it, from what I expected.
1: For, for me, in, in the, the trauma that I had and the desperation, like where I was at, I thought I was looking at game over and you were like, there's another level. Hmm. And even though it made me the idiot, I've known for a long time I was an idiot. Like I'm I'm in this spot, I can't figure out how to get out. Clearly, no one knows better than I do how dumb I am. But finally someone comes along and says, "But you can you can be smarter." I'm trying to say you
0: can't be dumber. <laughs> it's no, you haven't reached maximum dumbness yet. <laughs> Try harder. Look, I'm showing you all these areas. You just you haven't fully dumbified yourself. <laughs> You know what's ironic though dude when you were talking about those things that you had when I met you those were all things I was jealous of, really, yeah, I remember walking into the uh the condo uh uh-huh. I'm like this dude has his own condo, and we work at the same place <laughs> i don't I don't have a condo. he's got a woman with a with a kid seems like they're moving along in life, yeah, I ain't moving along like that. <laughs> Right. Uh uh-huh. huh. Yeah. He's, he's got a club. He's got people that seem to like him. Right. You know, he's got a lot of things that seem to be going on, going for himself here.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I was, I was internally battling a lot of that.
1: See, I had no idea. this is why you have testimony time. <laughs> it's funny because I know that we didn't talk a lot about that, especially because I knew, I knew your stance on on the bible and christianity right Mm -hmm. and i knew that me living with this woman and the you know having sex does not fit that model i was not prepared to have that conversation with you and apparently
0: oh internally i'm having that conversation with god going it's not that big a deal obviously what in the (laughs) hell am i holding out for it's i mean listen the dude seems all right (laughs) this does not seem like a problem so i'm really not
1: convinced that your way is the best way (laughs) and i was like i know that this isn't right and i've convinced my stupid self you know however i've rationalized it in this very delicate fragile thought Mm -hmm. and i was like i can't show jason this because he's gonna break this and if he breaks this (laughs) my life's gonna be different and I'm not ready for this. But you invited me over. <laughs> well, I did, but it was funny. We really didn't talk about a lot of that. Like, no, because we got bamboozled right at the beginning. How do you mean?
0: So you invited me over? Yeah. And first, so you got to understand the the dynamics. So I'm coming out of of a broken season in my life. I've I've left my home church. Suffered a lot of church hurt. By that point in my walk, um, and I've got identity issues, mm-hmm. you know, I'm coming out of working a job that I'd had for about seven years. It got taken over new management, got pushed out because I got in, in fights with the manager cause he was a moron. And They don't tend to appreciate that when you expose the...
1: Not everyone can um, appreciate you making them feel stupid or calling them a moron.
0: See, I don't intentionally try to make them feel stupid, but sometimes stupidity is so evident, you have no choice but to point it out. Okay. Or as you said a moment ago with the whole common sense thing, nobody asks for more, so it is my job to give you more. Because you're not going to ask for it, and you obviously need it.
1: All right. 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 So
0: that led to me being pushed out and um, having to find a new job, having to start over. In fact, before I started at our job, I remember having a conversation. I was at a point where I wasn't sure where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I'd pretty much given up trying to find something else. God had told me, you need to go back to, you need to make a decision on what you want to do and go do it. Okay. And so I was like, well, this was a company I, I said I wanted to work for let me go apply. And they accepted me. And even on getting into there, I remember deciding to myself, I'm going to be this version of myself. Like this is my chance to, to start over and remake who I am who nobody else seems to like anyway. So I'm not going to fall into the traps that I fall into at other companies. I'm not going to try to make friends. I'm not going to necessarily try to be nice. I'm here to make money. Okay. Right. So I can do things that I need to do and get my life going. Mm-hmm. So us becoming friends was like, everything was like,
1: stop. Yeah. You, right? you hated every step forward. Every step. All the way to ORP. Every step has been stopped. Because I remember, like, I was like, I got to know where this guy goes to church. Like, what, no! whatever he is on, I need it. And I remember distinctly, I was like, so where do you go to church? You where's, know, the, where's the crickets? We need the crickets. No. Hey Jason, where do you go to church? I was like in, in my head I was like did he forget? Like how did why is he not responding right now? Because
0: internally I was having a whole conversation <laughs> and half of it was in Latin. <laughs> like really ha- half of it was I was cussing you out in my head. And then I was pissed that I couldn't actually cuss you out in person because it was going to be a bad reflection right so you talk about feeling trapped uh-huh I'm like you just pissed me off and you put me in a in a corner that i can't even
1: express the levels of pissed off atness that i got that's not fair so from day one I've been in this pocket right yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> you keep
0: staying there too so yeah we're, we're having i mean all of that the conversations I'm like no I don't want to go to church I don't want to take someone to church I don't want to be spiritually accountable for that, I have just decided that I was going to go to this new church. And I think I'd only gone there a couple of weeks, you know, just starting this new path. You had only been going there a couple of weeks? Yeah, I have not been going there that long. <laughs> like I had gone a, a few times. Well, when I say I'd only be going there a couple of weeks after I left my other church. So this was kind of like an official shift. Okay. I had gone before to kind of scope them out, see what they're like, see is this really going to be a good fit, all of that. But once I made the firm decision, okay, I'm stepping away from this church, I'm going here, talked to my pastor at my old church, you know, said, I'm leaving fine, left there properly, and went to this church. This for me marked, this is my personal journey as an adult spiritually.
1: And I come crashing in.
0: Yeah, and I mean like two steps into this process. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to figure out a whole lot of other things. Uh Like, I I got daddy issues out the wazoo. I've got spiritual daddy issues, you know, like how I relate to God and does he love me and all this other stuff. You know, how do I relate to the church? Because I'm coming out of a lot of church hurt and feeling feeling put out and disenfranchised a bit. And then I'm coming into this new group of people, and it's a white church. And you're not supposed to say that.
1: Oh, I never even asked before. Was your... Other church, melanin rich?
0: Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even
0: Hey, they're Melanin the Filthy Rich.
1: Okay. Was there any melanin deficient people that went to that church? There was a couple specks,
0: as I would like to affectionately call them.
1: Like Yeah, like, like reverse like, chocolate chip. Pixels that are broken up. Yeah, on yeah TV. exactly. <laughs> you look out, you'd be like,
0: what's going on there? You blink a couple times thinking. They Rub your eyes. <laughs> that can't be what I'm saying. It's sure enough. It sure is.
1: Oh, my God. You know, that's you want to be so like, you're funny. welcome,
0: but you would be like, how'd you get in? <laughs> <laughs> like, what key code did you have? I mean, welcome here. Jesus loves you. That's wonderful. But what is your secret? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, we
0: had a couple infiltrators. A <laughs> couple, couple black op personnel. Oh, <laughs> no pun intended. That's funny. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just shortly off the heels of that, you know, I'm talking to you, met you, talking to you, um, and... Because part of my journey is getting healed racially, uh-huh, meeting you and your brother played such a role in that process of me having to confront my internal racism interesting because when I met Nathan, I was for sure guaranteed he was racist okay for sure i wouldn't I wouldn't 100 percent settle on you but uh-huh. I knew for sure that Nathan was okay. Just because <laughs> this dude comes to work in cowboy boots, uh huh, and he wears them to the degree that that they're worn, oh yeah, all the way. He's got a hole at, at, the, <laughs> at the at the the foot, the sole part, uh huh, right, the ball of his foot. I think is what it, it technically would be called. Yeah, that means you wear cowboy boots all the time, right, right. And when you click clack, you know, <laughs> as you as you walk, uh huh, to to a melanin rich person, that is a sound. Okay, that's a sound of caution. <laughs> Right. I'm sure he probably says nigga more than I do. <laughs> right. And I've never heard Nathan say it, but I'm convinced in my mind. Right. Right. This has to be who who he is. And then they pair us together. And I was pissed <laughs> that they paired us together for him to train me. OK. I mean, he did. you going to put me with the racist dude. I've never really had a conversation with him at this point. OK. Nor you. Right. I've only heard a couple things from people at work, which probably weren't real good. No, they weren't they weren't good and I'm not convinced to this day that they were actually true. They may have been okay. uh, their experience. But yeah, I uh got paired up with Nathan and within a day we were cool. Okay. But it started out I was a complete jerk. <laughs> I I'm sure. Like we both have our guard up. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> we're on a family show so I can't really tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> Okay. But it's more along the lines of don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Okay. All right. Your job is to just help me get whatever information I need so I can get management off my back. Okay. And by the end of it, we're at Taco Bell. We're kicked (laughs) up. We almost got a helicopter ride. (laughs) That's your first day? First day out with him. Yeah. That's crazy. First day within like four stops, we had to go to the base. Okay. And do a delivery. Uh Uh-huh. And I talked my way. I don't know. We talked to a couple people and it was like one dude away from getting authorization to go on the flight line and get a ride. The dude's like, all you got to do is actually ask the major and he can authorize you to go. I said, like, where's the major? He's like, he's in a meeting right now. Get him out the meeting. i try to go on the Blackhawk ride. You crazy? You don't get this every day. Right, right. We could be late. I don't care about these, these packages. Right, no doubt. Yeah, we had a flat tire. God will forgive that lie. I'm, I'm going on a chopper ride. And Nathan's looking at me like I have never met someone that could talk their way onto a blackhawk. What does the rest of the day have in for us?
1: Oh, that's great. And what
0: he was supposed to do was to teach me how to do my route faster. Uh huh. Nathan did such a good job the way he does his routes. Uh huh. We had time to go to Taco Bell and chill. Okay. Like yeah, that much time. Like we
1: right.
0: was kick back, just having <laughs> cracking jokes. I met a, I met somebody who had a high boost. I was talking about his bike. He let me actually get on the bike. Nathan's like nobody <laughs> let you get on a bike, a, a perfect stranger, like on his bike. I think the keys were still in it. Oh, wow. And he's like, you know, you could, yeah, sit on it. How does it feel? I was like, yeah, I think I might want one of You know, <laughs> I, I hadn't
1: thought about this. This feels kind of right for a guy on my side. <laughs> That's funny. Because there's it, like a rule that it's almost easier to get into a biker's bed than on his bike. Well, maybe. He, he just hopped right on the bike. Maybe he was gay. I don't know. <laughs> You know, everybody loves chocolate. Because it's funny <laughs> yeah. that you say that because I remember Nathan and I came out of a bar one time and there was a hot chick sitting on the bike. Okay. Nathan was pissed? Yeah, we both were. You, uh-uh. Right. Yeah. You get out of here.
0: It was it was wild, man. And that was the first day. That's Next nuts. day, it was like, man, what's tomorrow going to hold? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm equally intrigued. And I was like, I wonder if the brother is like this. <laughs> If Nathan's like this, maybe the tall dude is not as bad as I think. <laughs> but, you know, you had the chaps, you had the the vest, all of that from the club, and the beard and everything else. Nothing seemed welcoming. Yeah. From a melanin-rich perspective. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I
1: probably wasn't real welcoming to anyone, like even within myself. Like I wasn't.
0: Right, right. So then if you, if you take that and you add to it, I'm already on edge towards white folks in general.
1: And you get the Dean Boy.
0: Right. Which are a subset <laughs> from what I was told, right? Right. And then the older, the oldest Dean Boy wants to go to church with me, and I'm at white church, still navigating that whole thing. <laughs> I looked at the God, I was like, There's too many white folks in my life, Lord. Like, you got to scale this back. <laughs> like, this is this is legit bothering me right now.
1: Oh, that's funny. So, no,
0: you know what you need? You need more snowflakes in your life. More more snow. Jason, you got to be the only black person that has a whole this much snow, and it's
1: not drug related.
0: <laughs> this is great. I'm loving it. <laughs> That's funny.
1: What's crazy though, because you're talking about the racial dynamic, is there was none of that for me.
0: Okay, not even a tad.
1: No, it was never like you were never like the, like the the token friend or the mm-hmm. like. It was, and and I didn't even realize it until just now because you're explaining that racial dynamic. Like all of that was like just secondary or tertiary or somewhere way down the list like you were you were this smart man that i wanted to have in my life and had not even considered the the racial racial components
0: that's crazy but i was considering that like day one (laughs) like even when it came to us having conversations outside of work Uh there needs to be appropriate level of distance and there still needs to be a height variation
1: that's why you were weird about like standing up on the curb.
0: That is part of it. The other part is that I've never had anybody else to look up to <laughs> like physically because I'm pretty tall. I've never met anybody that's in your height range. Okay. It's certainly that I've got to like bend the neck to look up to. I'm like, this, this is some bull crap. <laughs> Like these muscles don't even work in my neck. <laughs> right. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. But certainly I ain't going to be black I have this white dude towering over me. Right now, that's not happening. So you stand there, I'll stand on the curb, and when people see us, they will still see equal. <laughs> that's funny. That curb served as affirmative action for our friendship.
1: <laughs> so with all that being said, you were really uncomfortable with me wanting to, to chase you to church, essentially, right? Oh,
0: my gosh. Wildly. <laughs>
1: And I, it's so funny because I had no idea that all that other stuff was going on. Oh, dude. The, the recent changes, the racial tension. Here I am, just this this naive, melanin deficient dude. I'm like, hey, what are you going to church? You seem like a smart guy.
0: Oh, dude, you you, don't, you you can't imagine how fast I tried to run.
1: I could feel it on the phone. I was like, what did I say? I thought we were cool. Like, this is weird.
0: Oh, you just said that, like, because this whole thing was supposed to be like a private walk for me.
1: And I just invade. in my mind,
0: it wasn't just a, it wasn't so much that you invaded. It was now I recognize the gravity of responsibility. I have someone who wants to who who who's on a walk and a journey and wants to kind of walk it together with me. With me maybe being the more quote unquote senior elder person, if you will.
1: Who's just started this journey.
0: Right. But I recognize there's a responsibility now. You have to model whatever you talk about. Okay. Because somebody's watching you. And not just somebody in the the ethereal realm. Somebody right here in the physical realm, flesh and blood right next to you, is watching you. And half the reason they're here is because of what you've demonstrated. So if what you've demonstrated is not consistent with who you are, it's going to be found out real quick and can have a negative impact on their journey with Christ.
1: So all this happened during like the, the, the three call. crickets. That yeah. I was like, what's happening? It's so quiet.
0: All of this conversation is, <laughs> is flying through my head. As I'm trying mm-hmm. to also formulate a way of saying that, you know, great idea, appreciate it, but nah, Chief. <laughs>
1: it, it's invitation only and we're, we're maxed out right now. I can't now. even say it's a
0: it's a predominantly black church, it will be uncomfortable. I'd be like, so oh, it's like the widest church. <laughs> it actually is not. I mean the, it's pretty they, mixed. They they're they're hugely, hugely diverse, actually. Um, but in my mind, it's not.
1: <laughs> okay. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. And so you wanted to a couple long, I was like, yeah, this is not a good idea. Yeah. I'm not even sure if I'm that saved yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm not even sure at this point if I had gotten baptized yet.
1: Okay. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I had, I was going through a lot of different stuff.
1: Yeah. And I know I just needed something. So then I think it was even the first service. They're like, and we're starting small groups.
0: Punch you in the mouth. (laughs) I swear, I don't even know who Jackie Gleason is. (laughs) But, oh, and I don't even believe in channeling people. But if I could have focused my inner (laughs) Jackie Gleason, punch you
1: in the mouth. Because you knew you were going to have to be in the small group.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. I was like, it's exactly why I didn't want anybody attached to me. (laughs) I'm trying to do this at my pace, my time. What is this?
1: <laughs> it was, it was, it was. It had to be like my spirit man or whatever, because my hand shot up so fast. Boom. Rich, the hell is this? <laughs> if Rich, you don't put that antenna down, Rich was like, "Do you are you interested in hosting a small group?" And my first thought is like. I can't host nothing like this is my first time back in church. And he was literally like, all you need is a place and some snacks. And I was like, I got them hand up. <laughs> I looked at you like, what the hell is your hand doing up? <laughs> if
0: you don't put that crap down right now, your eight foot antenna beam hand. <laughs> hey, you, you in the, you in the 34th row. We got you. Yep. We see you.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was, that was a crazy time. Completely petrified, but we started doing a small group. We
0: did, but we had our our friendship got tested very early in this stage. It did, um, in a way that to me was really significant. Okay, because again, I'm telling you, I'm talking to you about you know character being displayed. Uh huh. The way it got tested, uh, I didn't really want to talk to you about it. I really just wanted to let it go. Okay. And I figured if I did, it would actually be an indicator of poor character, which, again, can reflect on Christ and your view of Christ through me. Okay. And I was like, I uh, dang it. If this dude had not decided to come along to church, we wouldn't be in this situation. It's, like, really his fault. Are you d- blaming me? Absolutely, I'm blaming you. But rewinding back. First time uh, over to your your place, uh, I think you had a little party. You had uh, Nathan over. Yep. And a few other people, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
1: I know my dad was there. Okay. Because that's where Nathan broke my ribs, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: But as we were sitting there, and I'm just getting to know you at, at that point. I'm getting to know you, getting to know you know your world, your brother. I'm like, okay, him I know from work. You, I've kind of talked to you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of felt very family, so I felt a little bit on the outside because there weren't, like, other neutral people, non, like, family-related.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: So that was that was a little odd for me. but You did a pretty good job of trying to make me feel welcome. But while we were there, I think we were going through photos. I think the, the lady you were, young lady you were dating, she was showing me, like, photos of other people. Like, do you think this girl's cute? Do you think this girl's cute?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, you and I are talking. Mm-hmm. And she keeps sliding her phone over, like, you think this girl's cute? And I was like, oh, yeah, she's not bad. Because
1: we talking about, like, setting you up with someone or something. Like, somehow. Some,
0: some weird. Yeah, somehow that that got bought up.
1: But it's clearly a side thing that she's doing on her own as we're having a conversation. Right,
0: because at this time, I'm actually dating someone. Right. So I'm not really looking forward to, to this, but she's, like, kind of trying to play this angle. Of, like, well, we're going to get you. You're, you're not married, so we're going to get you set up. Right. And I'm like, Okay. And I'm back to you just actually talking uh-huh. and having a good time. And she keeps sliding his phone over. And people are like, how would you rate her? It's an eight. <laughs> oh, clearly a nine. <laughs> Four and a half. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, she this picture slides over. And you can't see the person's face at all. All you just see were like this scantily clad woman um, in like red lingerie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like. All right, that's weird. I mean, how do what do you how do you want me to rate that? I can't even see their head. Like, okay, <laughs> and still talking to you, but I think you had had your back turned or whatever. And I was like, who is this? You know, gave it back to her, and she like mouthed to me, "That's me." Yeah, that's so weird. Like this is me, and I was like, okay. Well, here you go. I'm not rating that. That seems like a setup.
1: I thought that's what you were saying was for No, 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 no. <clears throat>
0: so I, I I gave the phone back to her, like, all right, that was weird. And I continue my conversation on with you. I had a yeah, great I had, time.
1: I had no idea any of that hap, had happened.
0: Right. I had a great time. Uh the rest of the night left. And I think like a day or two later, guy was talking to me and he was like, I was like, you know, God, that was kind of weird. And he was like, yeah, you need to tell Christopher about it. And I was like, no, (laughs) that is not a good option for a budding friendship. Right. Like, what part of that looks good? Hey, bro, your girlfriend slipped me a half-naked picture of herself. Just wanted to let you know, dude. Yeah. By the way, I rated it a nine.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Like,
0: nothing from this is going to be a good conversation. Yeah, how you
1: soften it? is it, uh, is it, it's solid. Like, You're doing good. <laughs> You're doing good, bro. A couple areas for improvement, but I mean, it's solid right here. It's trouble area.
0: Right here. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I see strong area here and here. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so I was actually fretting, telling you this. Yeah. And I remember we were doing the Bible study actually by this point. Okay. And before the Bible study kicked off, we were we were over there. I said, dude, I gotta tell you something, but I don't know how you're gonna react, and I think potentially could affect our friendship. And I'm not sure if I should tell you or not.
1: Yeah, I remember.
0: And you were like, "Go ahead, you're you're good." I'm like, "No, nah, I don't think you heard me <laughs> correctly. I don't I don't think really this this is gonna be a good thing." Yeah. And so you were like, "Yeah, go ahead." So I said, "All right, you remember the other day we were sitting, we were, I was over here, and we were doing having a conversation, and she kept handing me the phone." rating chicks and all, and you're like, yeah. I said she she also had a picture on there uh, that was cut off, where I couldn't see her head or whatever. Um, but she said it was her. She was scantily clad. And you're like, what did it look like? And so I described the picture to you, and you're like, I know exactly what that picture is. Yep. And I was like, dude, I didn't solicit it. Don't have it. She didn't send it to me. I i, I completely tried to wipe this from the memory bank. <laughs> I'm just letting you know as you, you just know.
1: described it to me in, in detail.
0: detail, right? <laughs> but because I, I didn't want you to think that I was trying to do something, you know, wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I mean? Yeah. And your reaction was classic. I mean, very classic. It was like, you know, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for for letting me know that. But you actually told me a little bit more. Okay. At that time, do you remember?
1: I don't remember.
0: Well, you told me that you had been asking God to show you some things about this relationship. Oh. You know, if it was a healthy relationship, if this person was trustworthy, what their character's like. And so for me to tell you what happened was an indicator of really who she was as a person and if you could or could not trust her.
1: I remember that now.
0: But for me, it was also an indicator of you can trust me as a person. Like, I don't know where this friendship's going to go, but this is who I am. And I always looked at, I don't know how how you looked at that moment, but I always looked at it as a a pivotal moment in our friendship that solidified part of the, the, the foundation of our friendship, which is trust in Christ.
1: Okay. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you explain it. I think in the midst, I was so so lost still trying to find my bearings that I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to map it. Is that like benchmark that you're saying, but with the way you explain it, it makes a lot of sense. I can see that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. For me, that's how I was processing through all of that.
1: Okay. And that led to some changes. It did. Like, so I was praying, you know, God is, is this, you know, the relationship that I'm supposed to be in and something really interesting kept happening. What's that? And I already knew like in, in the grand scheme of things that this didn't, feel like the relationship that I was supposed to have. I mean, it was toxic for, okay. for lots of different reasons. Uh, but every time something toxic would happen, I felt the Holy spirit tap me on my shoulder and like from behind me point. He's like, do you see that? It's like, yeah. He's like, okay, you need to remember that. And that's all he would say. Okay. And just, now I don't know if it was every day. I don't remember the frequency, but it happened enough that I was like, what is he getting to? And he was just like, shoulder tap that. Remember that shoulder tap that you need to remember that. So we go through this whole thing and uh I I specifically remember it was um The Good Life by Rich Nathan was the series we were going through. Oh yeah, yeah. Really really good series. Like mm-hmm. what is your life really supposed to look like? You know how do you manage it? And promiscuity comes up. And we hadn't really talked about it yet. Right. You know, and I remember I made some offhanded joke. Okay. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was clearly sharing with the room, which is me, you, and I think a couple other people from work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that I was not interested in changing this area of my life, right? Okay. Like you might say that, but this is my stance. And as soon as I get that out of my mouth, the prerecorded message goes, and some of y'all might be saying this verbatim, what I just said. I think I bust out laughing. You did. And I almost started crying. I was like, this isn't funny. Oh, no, like, this is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I was like, did you listen to this before? Uh, that was ba- That one messed me up. I was like, okay. So, like, all this stuff keeps keeps adding up. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going through the series. And the things kind of take a, I want to say a turn for the worst, but they just, we're we're bad and there's huge spikes of things getting bad. So she ends up coming home from work one day, all upset. I think it's because she had met a previous girlfriend of mine via her job or something like that Mm -hmm. and rubbed her the wrong way, whatever she just, she comes home and she's yelling and screaming and you said this and I can't believe that. And just on and on and on and uh, just tearing me down and tearing me down. I was like, I would love to have a conversation with you about this, but not if you're going to be behaving this way. If you're going to keep doing this, then uh, I'm going to leave. So things get more elevated. Things get a little bit physical. Like she didn't hit, I mean, she hit me before, but she didn't hit me this time. Mm-hmm. So to, to mitigate, I was like, I'm just leaving. I'm not going to deal with this. This isn't going to be a, uh, a real bad domestic issue. I'm going to get out of the way because that's clearly the road that we're headed down. Mm-hmm. So I leave the nice condo and, and everything and get in this crappy car that I had. And I tried calling you, and you were busy because I was like, maybe I can sleep on the couch or whatever. I I, I didn't know what to do. And uh, couldn't call my mom or my dad. And I know for a fact, to their credit, if I'd be like, look, I got to come home tonight, they'd, I could be like, I don't want to talk about it. They'd be like, fine, come home. You have a place to stay tonight. But I was so embarrassed. You know, this was... You know, it's all those things that I thought, like, I'm the man, I have this stuff. You know, I was living this this false synthetic life, and all of a sudden, I can't handle it, so I'm leaving. I was sitting in a, a Waffle House parking lot, and I was like, this is not the life that I want. This is not it. So in order to sleep, because I didn't want to get busted there, I don't know what the rules are for loitering or sleeping in a parking lot. So I actually pulled in the back lot, like the back empty field of my parents' house and crawled in the back of my vehicle, no blanket or anything, and just kind of curled up. It was a little bit chilly and, and went to sleep because I was tired, and I just I just had to get away. So I remember specifically the Holy Spirit taps me on my shoulder. He goes, you can go home now. It's safe. You're not going to have to worry about any of that. It's not going to escalate into anything. You can go home, and you can sleep. I was like, okay, this is weird. <clears throat> you know, I, I wasn't used to hearing God talk to me you know, this specifically, or the fact that he woke me up was, was interesting to me. So I was like, all right, let's see if this is real. So I go home and, and she's already in bed and asleep and I just crawl up on the couch at home and I have a blanket and it's warm and all of that. So I was was finally able to get, get a good night's sleep. And it kind of sets in my mind this, like something's, something's got to give. Right. So one of the things being that, uh, we had to stop having sex, right? Because that had come up in conversations. This pre recorded video was quoting me verbatim. I was like, okay. But I didn't have the uh, testicular fortitude to do it on my own because I knew what kind of situation this was going to stir up. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about it. You know, I was like, look, this is what the Bible says. If we're going to church, this is the direction we're going. This makes sense that we have to stop.
0: And she had kind of started going to church with us.
1: Right. So we were kind of on the same page and we're like, look, we know we have some issues. This is something that we can do to fix it if we're choosing to believe this Bible thing. Uh, So it wasn't out of the blue, but I remember we were at work and I was like, okay, so I can't remember if I called or I texted or, or whatever. I was like, we have to stop this. We've talked about it. We just, I'm making the decision. We're not having sex anymore and she lost lost it from what i remember she called us gay yes yes yeah everyone in a little bible study was gay it was just some weird orgy and she was there she just never came in the room right she was always upstairs or something
0: what do you and jason have going on Uh uh-huh yeah i was like oh wow
1: yeah and it reminds me of the scripture what is it that uh i wish i would have wrote this down um, but you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the first part of that is that you will, you will obey my commands Okay, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That first part we leave off. So when I stepped out in this, this act of faith, really, that I, apparently God, if this thing is real, here's this guy that's smarter than me and he's in the church. And I mean, my way isn't working. So I guess I'm trying it this way and this is what it says. So it makes sense to adhere to this system. So that kind of stepping out in faith opened the door and then God communicated way more clearly with me at that point. He's like, you need to move out. And if he would have said that in the beginning, I don't know if I would have had the same response. Right. 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 So he's like, yeah, you, you need to move out. And I was like, man, this, this is intense. Like I'm, I'm talking about giving up my whole life. So I went to my mom's on mother's day and I, I hung out later and was just talking to her and, uh, kind of just distraught. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have all these different pieces of my life. I'm trying to hold up and we're, we're just talking and she's trying to just hear me and not really even give me direction, just kind of letting me express my frustration. And you know, all the things that I thought I was giving up the, the good feelings, the, cause cause there was something special about this individual, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it wasn't without good times or good emotions. It was just, it came at a very, very expensive price. And, uh, I remember me and my mom are standing in the kitchen, just the two of us, and this presence fills the room, like, like you can you can feel it. I don't know exactly how to explain it in the physical, but my mom felt it too. Like she, to this day, you can ask her and she knows. And this presence came in, and kind of, like, held me, not like in a hug embrace, but just like grabbed me, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. And I got this this download of information where God took me through all the moments, the overdose, the, the, the knife, the, the divorce, the betrayal, the brokenness, the confusion, the tears, like all of it, every moment, like instant flashes all through from the beginning. And uh, he said that that he had been there the whole time and that he was with me and, and, and helping and, Part of this was because I was so stubborn it took me to come to this moment for him to be able to communicate with me because I was so stubborn. And he said through all of this and highlights every relationship I had been in, you know, romantic and otherwise. And he goes, you thought that you had to earn their love, which came easy to me. So it's not something I thought, you know, so many things that I just try my hand at. I'm kind of out the gate. It comes naturally to me a little bit more difficult to like get refined at it, but you know, I can do those, those little things pretty easily. So it never felt like I was earning, but the Holy spirit was like, you have these issues and these hangups and get into these situations because you think you have to earn love. Hmm. And he's like, I'm here to tell you that before you were ever able to lift your first finger to do something, I loved you. I loved you first before you could even try to earn it. And just I don't what I don't know what my mom heard or saw but we're frozen in the kitchen for like an hour, afraid to move that will like like shoo the fog away or whatever. It was just this intense moment. And that's really what kind of empowered me to to put all my chips in here you know it wasn't just the intellectual pursuit it wasn't just that this was this was smart and the that people believed this could outthink me and it made sense on all these different levels but it was real and he was there and it, it was just incredible
0: yeah it- I remember when you came to work the next day like you shot over to me to tell me this this whole thing that had happened to you uh-huh and I remember being stuck on two different train tracks you know, in my mind, okay. on one hand, I was incredibly, incredibly happy for you that this had happened. Okay. You know, because you were like, God told me he loved me first. And it was like a benchmark moment for you. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't know nothing else, uh, you know, whatever happens to me in life, if I don't know nothing else, I know God loved me first.
1: And I didn't even know at that moment that that's actually a scripture. Yeah. So, So that's just cool.
0: Right. you, 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 Yeah, because you didn't present it that way either. Mm-hmm. But the other train track that I was on was Pure Jealousy. Like, why don't I have a moment like yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, you're going to speak to him? <laughs> and it's funny just how quickly things can, you know, what did, what did Don Cheadle say? Christy Yamaguchi. You just flip <laughs> <laughs> real quick. Okay. Um, because I found myself in my head, taking all the information you had trusted me with as a friend Mm -hmm. and compiling a dossier
1: to submit (laughs) to
0: God on why it was so unfair that you got this moment from him prior to me even getting whatever moment I could want. Okay. And I'm halfway in, submitting it, and I was like, this doesn't feel like something from... I hate this dude. I told him I didn't want to be friends because I knew (laughs) it was going to mean I had to change my character, and I wasn't trying to change it in this way. So I had to check myself, you know, <laughs> immediately on like, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty low, low ball move. Yeah. You know, to do that, that's so how you going to treat your friend. That's really the case you want to bring before God. And I was like, all right, well, I got to switch that. So I rescinded the complaint. Okay. But I still was upset with God, you know, that I didn't have a moment like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I get that. At that moment. Because it it changed your trajectory.
1: Yeah, it really did. It really did. You know, so much so that I was like, okay, I got to move out. Like, this is what he said. He said, move out. This is my entire life. I went into debt to make sure that I could get this, the, you know, the motorcycle and the, in the, the condo and everything. And I'm just leaving. And it's really weird to, to break up with someone on this premise that this is what God told me to do.
0: Right. And that produced, you know, being your best friend is not easy <laughs> at each of these points. Because as something happens to you, and I think this happens when you're in close relationship with a person, mm-hmm. as something happens to them, something also happens to you. Yeah. So as you're making these moves, something's also happening to me as a result. Like one of the things is it's causing me to challenge. My devotion to God. Okay, like, here's a dude who apparently hasn't heard from you since at least '84. Like, he was born in '86,
1: <laughs> two years before he was born. Right,
0: ain't heard from you since. <laughs> and now you're talking to him, talk about I love you first, and this dude's ready to move out. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm not sure if I want to go to church. <laughs> like the level of devotion here is, is is off the charts, as far as I'm concerned. I was like, and I'm supposed to be a senior person? I was like, I think you got the wrong
1: person here. You need to switch this, Lord. (laughs) That's funny. And I remember the move out. Yeah. That was rough because I started packing before you showed up.
0: Yeah. You called me and said, I I, I need help. I'm, you know, I'm moving out. And again, my internal world. (laughs) I think I was a bit selfish. (laughs) Okay. At the time so I didn't like being pulled on in that way mm-hmm. where somebody needs you and you have to show up. Okay. And not only do you need to show up, you need to show up not, not just because you're your friends, but you also need to show up because you represent somebody else. Okay. And so if you don't show up, it's not only a mark against you, it's really marking. against this, this greater person that you represent. Not something I signed up for. I don't remember our best <laughs> friend meeting. Yeah. You know, and the paperwork. Somehow I just found myself in this moment.
1: Yeah. It was crazy.
0: And I remember driving over because so I had to go to work. hmm And I said, dude, I don't have a lot of time because I got to be in work at this point. Yeah. So I've only got like two and a half hours. I can give you two and a half hours. hmm And I remember coming over and got there and your face was just red.
1: Oh, yeah. It was bad.
0: And I'm like, what's going on? And you're like, before... Before you got here, I was upstairs in the floor. I was like, you injured? <laughs> like, what's going on? And you're like, no, dude, I, I've just been crying. Like, I really don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go. This has been my home. This is the life I've known. And internally, shut up. <laughs> because I'm they're all check marks against, the, it's all questions of devotion for me. Okay. So here this dude is who's just met Jesus is willing to give up his life that he knows. Stop having sex, which I ain't even got to yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, break up a family unit. So he's got some measure of intimacy and belonging and all of that. Give up the condo and still pay on the condo. Yeah. It would not live there. Go to his parents' house. Be in a place that's physically uncomfortable and not suited for him. And be there God knows how long. All because God said so? And you think you love Jesus. Are you sure? (laughs) When's the last time you were on the floor crying because you got to do something that you heard God tell you to do and you don't want to do it? All of this is piling through my mind. You know how fast my mind works. Right. All of this is between hello (laughs) <laughs> and why is your face so <laughs> No, Nah, it's actually after. You know, why is your face so red? I've been I've been crying, followed by, all right, I'll I'll help you. You know, I'll help you move. You know, what do we need to get? What's the next step?
1: Yeah, it was it was so beneficial. Cause yeah, I was upstairs and I was in the fetal position just sobbing. And I don't cry. Like I don't know if my wife has seen me cry. And uh <laughs> I was just, I mean, almost uncontrollable, right? Mm-hmm. So I come to this place and I'm like, it's almost like a Garden of Gethsemane moment. I'm like, please, God, this, this is everything I've worked for, even if it's bad. Like, this is my life. This is my home. This is what I've invested in. This is where I'm, you know, emotionally seated. I said, is there any way that I can serve you the way you want and keep this? Any way, because this, this is mine. And he said, no, you can't. You cannot go where I'm calling you and keep this. So I was like, okay. And I remembered that spiritual authority thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if that's the case, then I'm, I'm all in. I'm doing it. So I was like, I take spiritual authority over this place. I'm going to be obedient. Anything that's here that's trying to prevent this, trip me up, do whatever. You're not welcome here. You can't be here. And I stopped crying. Really? I stood up, got my clothes out of the closet.
0: I think that's about the time I showed up.
1: Yeah, that's about the time you showed up.
0: That's wild. It was rough. Yeah, I was nervous going over because, I mean, it's emotion. That's not my field. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't,
0: what do you say to a person that's going through this? I don't want to be trite. I also don't want to be cavalier. I don't want to be cliche. What, what do you do? How do you offer any semblance of comfort to a person that's going through something? And you know they're hurting. It's not going to be easy, but, like, what am I going to do?
1: I think I think just the fact that you were there spoke volumes. Cuz you <laughs> you even had a uh, a nice sports car at the time. I want to talk about this. <laughs> this 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 part of the story hurts me the most. <laughs> but I was going to say you can't put much in a sports car. I think you had a couple bags in my TV that fit in your back seat. Yeah. And that's all you like from a from a vehicle standpoint. Like that's all you were offering is that space. And I think my dad let me use his truck. Right. But one one of the that was all the space I had though. Right, right. But I mean, just the fact that you were there, and you you know, you were saying it was a sacrifice. Like, look, all I can give you is two and a half hours. I was like, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I I need help. But I was moving into my parents because one of the other things that God said is, you know, brought to mind that scripture. You know, it's for this reason that a man leaves his father and mother. You know, is to be united with his wife. He's like, how can you leave if you're not there yet? And I'm not saying that anyone that's not living with their parents needs to move in before you get married that's this is just what what was prescribed to me it, it was part of my journey of getting rebuilt mm-hmm. so yeah i moved into my parents house and had you know i had to leave a bunch of stuff behind because there's just no place to put it i was living in uh living out of the the grandkids pink bedroom and a bed that did not fit me and uh <laughs> it was it was bad it was so bad dude that if I had been your
0: friend I'd have been cracking jokes. <laughs> yeah? It was, but at the same time I was also amazed by your character cuz I'm like everything physically about the situation you moved into was backwards. Yeah. You know, you just I mean it was like a step backwards in life. Uh-huh. And you willingly did it. Yeah. And All I- because you believe God told you something.
1: Right. And every time I would go to push back or like, cause I, I mean, this whole six months I could move back in. She wanted me back. My name's on the lease. Like I can go back. I've got a bunch of reasons to go back I have a warm bed to go to that I actually fit in. And, uh, every time I'd try to do that and, and it wasn't pretty, like there were several arguments and fights and I had to go back over it and get some stuff. And I mean, it was difficult and and it was ugly. I remember seeing a uh, a quote that said change is is difficult at first and messy in the middle, and my difficult and messy lasted a long time. Like it, it was it was very difficult to to separate myself from from all of that. And then, she
0: didn't make it easy either. No, she didn't. I mean, there was a lot of. I remember you would pull me aside and be like, "Hey, man, she like she just reached out. You know, what do I do?" There's a she's, she's text messaged me,
1: you know, she said, I can come back. She misses me. I would block her number. She'd get a new phone and call me. She would wait for me at the gym, right outside of the gym and all super nice gestures. Like all like the, the meanness was gone. So it was appealing to my heart. Like I was like, this is what I want. Like, um, and in those moments, God was like, remember when I pointed this out and when I pointed this out and when I pointed this out, he's like, this is what I'm saving you from you don't need these things in your life. Yeah. These things are holding you back. These things are keeping you broken. This is what I'm saving you from. And there was times that I remember sitting on my motorcycle in the rain. Cause back then I, I was, I was die hard mm-hmm. a little bit more than I am today. I got soft being a dad, <laughs> but you know, my, I used to say, if you don't ride in the rain, you don't, you don't ride. Right. Why do you stop? Just cause it's wet. Um, but I remember several nights that I would just sit on my motorcycle and wait, because I knew if I started it, I wouldn't be going to a place that I needed to be. I'd be going back. So I just sat there.
0: I remember those. I remember uh, quite a few times you called me. Yeah. And, you know, walking you through or talking you through those moments um, were so important. You know, to the process, they were also important to me personally. Uh, going through that.
1: How were they important to you?
0: I am a type of person that I, I I work on earning a lot. Okay. So I don't value when things are just bestowed as much as I do when they are earned. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to say I'm a friend. It's much harder to demonstrate being a friend. Okay. You know, if you say you're there for a person, that's easy. You know, see somebody go through something. Hey, man, you need anything? Give me a call. You know, I'm here for you. Yeah, dog. I appreciate you. Like, no problem. Do not call me. <laughs> Okay, right, right, I am going to sleep. I'm not trying to get a call. Well, you didn't really mean that, right? You know, when you want to when you want to relax, and there's a phone call from a person that's in need, and they talk to you for two two and a half hours, because that's what they needed. Mm-hmm. You are you available for two and a half hours? When your food got cold, right? <laughs> you know, you was just about to sit out eat, watch something, or if it's you know why you'd rather be doing something else, and this is the time that they need. What's more important? What do you pour into? You pour into the friendship, you pour into yourself, you know, doing what you want to do. It's easy to say, I'm a friend. It's much harder to be a friend. Yeah, that's Because true. it doesn't come at convenient times. Right. I've called you a number of times I know are inconvenient. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what a friendship requires.
1: Right. It costs something.
0: Well, so this was like part of those paying that price. Okay. Like, I don't just say you're my best friend because I don't have other good friends. Uh huh. I do. Nobody else has paid the price that you have. Okay. I like to think that's—I think commensurate's the right word. The same for you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. And so those moments, I think, were very important to our friendship.
1: They—they they were, yeah. And it, to the the
0: the to this whole thing, you know, the <laughs> podcast, everything. Yeah. Because they're all attached.
1: Mm-hmm. And I—I I don't think I would have been. I mean, I know I wouldn't have been in a place. To come out of that and to change if it wasn't for you. So I thank you for that. I appreciate that, man.
0: But I also appreciate and thank you for letting me view the process. You know, I didn't, there were lessons I got to learn from your life that I didn't have to go through to learn. Okay. Because I was close enough to view and could get the lesson without having to suffer the pain. So I appreciate you suffering the pain that you did.
1: So you didn't have to? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But so I could also get the lesson.
1: No, well, That's awesome.
0: You know, seeing you go through certain things, seeing you on your bike when it was raining, seeing you crying, talking about, I, can I go back home?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Putting me in a position to have to tell you, no, you can't. <laughs> Personally, I don't care. You know, right, right. Go back home. I mean, <laughs> she ain't going to beat me. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not the one that's going to have to argue and anything like that. I, what, what do I care? God's like, well, you should as a friend. So what's the best thing? I got to back up what what you have said to him. He believes you said this, so that's what I'm going to stand behind. Doesn't seem to violate scripture, so, you know, if God said, no, you can't go back home, you can't go back home. Yeah. And those were
1: challenging days. Yeah. That that whole time. I'd say it's some of the most difficult stuff that, that I've had to go through. Cause like I had done all this stuff with my dad, like repairing brokenness and stuff, mm-hmm. and here I was again. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere with my life. You know, the, in the in the dark moments or whatever. I remember I was sitting at a Sonic, having a decent day, the sun was shining, and then this song comes on the radio or whatever, uh, Geronimo, mm-hmm. and it's something her daughter used to listen to.
0: So you have those triggers,
1: yeah. And I fell apart again. I was like, What are you? You're not a man. You're just a, a sack of flesh that can't get it together. So it was it was so humiliating, but I think I needed it. And and I will say, in the midst of the humiliation, God gave me you for strength. But then there were several moments where he he intervened. Like the the coffee. You know, I didn't have much money. I was mm-hmm. out on my own. I was going to church. You know, we we'd even picked a different campus to go to. And uh <laughs>
0: I just went all the way back to stuff that happened on East Campus. You almost got me killed.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, you would forget about how yeah. you almost got
0: me killed by the cops.
1: Have we talked about it on the podcast? We have
0: not. Should we? Well, we'll keep this focused on you. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll talk about it. Maybe another, another time.
1: time, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, riding my motorcycle home from church, you know, just still kind of heartbroken. I, I constantly had to fight off tears, you know, and process all, all of this stuff and, and rebuilding who I was. So and I was like, oh, it would really minister to my heart to have a nice warm cup of coffee. But I can't I can't really afford it. I can't spend my last five bucks on coffee. And that's when God's like, well, go back. Or, you know, or go get coffee. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. I'm the responsible. I'm growing. I'm maturing. And I ride past the shop and he's like, go back. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, go get yourself some coffee. Like, boy, didn't I just tell you? Right. So I turn around and go back and try to get inside, and the place is locked.
0: I'm At that like, point, did you think God was just messing with you? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I was like, I think there was even a point where I was like, I'll move back in right now. <laughs> you're going to defy God like that? Yeah, if this is the games you play, like you're playing with my emotions. You know I'm fragile, and, and you're ultimate compassion and you know love for all people and you're going to mess with me, demand that I go get coffee at a place that's not even open, I don't need to serve a God like this. And as I'm having these thoughts, I remember I picked my motorcycle helmet up and I was so mad. I was getting ready to just slam it down on my head and I look up and the, the barista came around the corner and he's like, I am so sorry. I am running late. If you're here for coffee, I'll get you whatever you want on the house.
0: I remember this.
1: Yeah, and God was like, so you were saying what? Because if (laughs) I hadn't listened to him, or if I had even waited another minute, the guy wouldn't have given me free coffee because I wasn't there before he showed up. Right. So I had to go with that moment in order to have God buy me a cup of coffee.
0: Interesting, right?
1: Yeah, it's nuts. So there was that. And then um, I think, I don't know if it was income tax or whatever, I decided to go down to daytona for bike week mm-hmm. like it was it was one of the things i'm like i can i can do this i, th- I think my parents probably helped me out a little bit too just because I, I didn't have the funds rode all the way down there slept in the uh there's a, a guy that had a pawn shop that let us stay in the back for super cheap so all in all like for going for florida it was the cheapest way that he, you could go to florida mm-hmm. and uh the weather's horrible my whole ride down it snows on me in south carolina and it doesn't snow in South Carolina very often. Right. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like the it, it almost felt like the the disciples in the boat. Like, why is the weather so bad? Right. Like, right, why right. does it have to be this bad? And I get down to Florida, and uh, first night I'm there, I meet some cool people behind the pawn shop, and it's it's supposed to just torrential downpour. My camp's not even set up yet. And I was like, okay. I'm just gonna pray like I God, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't know if you're telling me to go home. I said i'm I'm still trying to figure my life out. Can, can you hold off the rain for me? Can, can I just can I at least get my stuff set up? Maybe let me walk up and down Main Street, you know before the night's up, and it stops raining.
0: Yeah, you called me ecstatic. Like, you're never going to believe what happened.
1: Yeah, everyone else behind this shop, there's like probably 20 other people in total. They all started calling me Jesus boy because I was like, look, because I, I let it be known. I was like, I'm going to pray that it doesn't rain so we can go downtown. And you look at the radar, and I'll, I'll post this on Patreon, maybe Instagram. I'm not sure. Okay. But I have a screenshot from my phone that shows the radar, and this storm just hits a block and splits on both sides of Daytona Beach. And it's not just a uh, like a technical mess up. Like, I was there. It was not raining where we were, and it was supposed to.
0: And it's like the only place in that area that's not raining. Yeah.
1: That's wild. It was so crazy. So in the midst of all my trouble and and, and, and turmoil, there was these moments where God's like, I've got you. We're going through this together. You know, it's, it's going to be all right. Because it, it was rough. And we even called this next like season of our life the gauntlet, right? Yeah because back and forth it was almost like if I had a good day you were having a bad day and not just a normal bad day like a character challenging uh, biblical orienting type of bad day like what kind of man are you going to be type of bad day
0: and it it didn't it just came unrelentingly
1: it did but it at least switched
0: on and off yeah and that kind of messed with the head because you would think okay maybe things are getting better mm-hmm and then you'd find out in a couple days, no, it's just a new storm rolling through with more power. Right. And we would take, like you said, we we would take turns. Mm-hmm. Not like we chose it.
1: Right. It's just how it happened.
0: Right. It, if you were weak that day, for whatever reason, I was not going through as much in my relationship and other things that I, that I was in at the time. And I would have a decent day. Mm-hmm. And then it would flip. Yeah, Everything would tank in
1: my life. And you'd be on like sunshine and apple pies. <laughs> it would really go back and forth. Like, I mean, like iron sharpens iron. This was us back and forth. Yeah. One day I'm like, Jason, you've got this. You know, you are powerful and controlled. You were beloved by the most high. And we'd go through and be like, this is what we want to be. This is what the Bible says. This is how we can trust it. And then the next day I was like, Jason, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I mean. Dude, why are you in your emotions, man? Right. And you're so chill. All right.
0: Come on now. Now, what has God told you? you, You've got, apparently, dude, you've lost your mind. I don't know what you're on, but clearly we've got this the very next day. I'm like, God hates me. I know it. Do you think I'm being emotional? A tad. Yeah. How are you so calm? You you know, you don't have any problems in your
1: life. All this privilege that you had. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. But, yeah, so we, we ended up calling it the gauntlet because it really was a sharpening and a grinding us down. Mm-hmm. And the my uh, I don't want to call it my graduation because it never really stops. But I remember specifically, so God was saying, you know, you can't earn love. I loved you first. So then I tried to earn it after that, right?
0: Right. Because it's kind of your default. Yeah. When you come out of trauma like that and it's affected you at your core.
1: You default back to what you know. Right. So I ended up, I was fasting every Wednesday. I was trying to find all this stuff that I could do mm-hmm. to to please God and to earn his love. And I didn't realize, you know, looking back, but now I realize, I didn't realize in the moment.
0: Meanwhile, I'm watching going, I, I am really not saved. <laughs> I don't think I love Jesus at all. This dude is like, you were voluntarily fasting. Yeah. Like picking new things, not just like staying away from food. Let me try something else that I can abstain from yeah. just so I can stay sharp on getting my flesh under control. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> Why would you stay away from fruitcakes? <laughs> Everybody loves fruitcakes. And, and as beneficial as these things are, there was still a part of me that was, that was broken and needed healed and needed changed. Because right. in the midst of fasting and going to church and all of this stuff and going through the gauntlet and studying, I ended up back in sexual sin. I hadn't had sex again. And I was like, how did this happen?
0: Normally somebody lies down.
1: And well, shut up. Not like <laughs> how did it happen. But I was so confused because I thought I was doing all of the right things. Right. You know, and one of the, the, the most impactful moments that I remember from that experience is right after God goes, all right, boy. He said, you know better than this now. Which I kind of knew, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I've been there every other time. And I'm like, whoa, this is weird. Right. And he goes, my hand of protection has been on you because, because of your ignorance, essentially. He didn't give me the laundry list of reasons. He's like, but now you know better. And the next time you step into this, you're on your own.
0: And I was like, ooh. That scared both of us.
1: Yeah, like one, I didn't know you were there protecting me the whole time. Two, now it's gonna be different, like it doesn't have your hand of protection. That's that's really unnerving. Yeah. So I really I mean there was there was a, a great deal of guilt that came along with that. Like j- trying to to shuffle through like what am I doing? Like, I'm supposed to be different. And before, when I would enter into things like, like this, like from my past, I would blame God. Like, you're supposed to fix this. You're supposed to make me different. Why, why aren't you doing what the church says that you should be doing? You're supposed to make me a new thing and, you know, all of this. And this time I was, because of all the, the sharpening and the refining, I was able to come to this moment and I was like, God, I can't do it. Not only do I not have to because you love me first, I can't. Look, I'm doing, I'm cross, I'm checking all the boxes. Like you, like you said, Jason, you know, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the things that I need to do. I said, but I'm still the same broken thing on the inside. I said, if you want me to be different, if you're, if you, if we are doing this together, you have to change that in me. I want you to change that in me because I want to please you from the inside out, not just all this superficial stuff. And it was like that moment from Aladdin when Genie like rolls up his sleeves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And God was like, that's all you had to say. That's what I've been waiting for. And then from that moment. <laughs> it's funny what,
0: you pick Aladdin. What, what were you thinking? Pulp Fiction. Shit, Negro.
1: That's all you had to say. Uh, <laughs> that's all you had to say, Negro. Go in there and chill him out. Right. He about to send the wolf. That's funny. But so at this moment there really was a shift. I remember the shift. And then he gave me the opportunity. If if you look back, there several instances in the Bible where people had to not pay back like the the things they did wrong, but like show that there was a difference. Mm-hmm. So Peter denied Jesus 3 times. Right. And when Jesus comes back and sees him again, Jesus asks Peter, three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, and and Peter has to answer to kind of fill that gap. Like this is what I was and this is what I am now. Mm-hmm. So through God's miraculous timing, I was able to confront the 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 alcoholism, the females, the all the things that had brought me down before and the traps and the things that would pull me in. And I was able to go, I don't want this. Don't text me. Don't call me block numbers, and just go through systematically all the doors to my past and willingly close them. Because now I was in filled with this, this change from the inside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just don't need it. I know I don't need it. And that's when things got really interesting. Like, if it's not interesting enough, this is where God goes, great. Now I want to prepare you to be a husband. This is where we both threw our hands up and said, what? I was like, I don't want that. I'm just getting
0: comfortable with you taking everything away. I'm like, God, if he becomes a husband, we're not going to be able to be best friends.
1: <laughs> She's got to get in the way. I know it. Yeah, it was, it, it was weird. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I mean, I can't be like, I'm in here to do whatever you want me to do, God, except that thing. Right. Right. Like it's difficult. Like looking back as difficult as this whole process was the, those, the sad times, the broken times are really, it sounds weird even to think about it, but they're precious to me because I know what it made me. I know how it refined me. I wouldn't ever want to have to go through it again, but I know that I'm different on this side of that. And that's really cool. So God says, got to prepare you to be a, a husband I randomly get introduced to this. Uh, one of my employees had a sister, so I get introduced to her. And first thing I say is, hey, you should buy a motorcycle. No previous conversation. I just find out by, uh, you know, my employees, like I have a sister. She's thinking about getting a motorcycle. He gives me your name. I find her on Facebook. You should buy a motorcycle. That's it. That's it. That's the pitch. That's the pitch.
0: Interesting. <laughs> now I think you're beautiful. Just want, hey, can I have your number? I mean, I I,
1: I asked her brother that. I was like, is she hot? Is she tall? You know, I I need to know some of these things.
0: And of course, her brother, being of non-West Virginia descent, says, oh, she's banging.
1: He's like, I don't know. She's my sister, but she's tall. Good. That's the answer I was hoping. Right, right. So, no, I'm looking at her Facebook. I'm like, all right. All right. This is nice. This is nice. Mm -hmm, Uh, Buy a motorcycle. I was like, if you can't handle this conversation, then you are not cut out to be a companion for me. Like, you have to be able to, you know, talk through motorcycles. So we talk, you know, back and forth a little bit. And long story short, and there's lots of good juicy details, but we're kind of getting, is it long in the tooth? Is that the term? I think so. Yeah. So God ends up sending her away on a cruise ship. She ends up working on a cruise ship for six months. And this whole time we're talking back and forth. And, uh, Cutting
0: into our talk time too. By into, the way. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but we get important. but we
1: get to know each other, and uh, you know we're doing you know we talk about scriptures every day, and, and and all of this good stuff, and uh, then we find out that we are interested in one another, and you know what do we do with that? Can we even do anything? Or, or you know you're in you're on the other side of the the country. What do we do with that? And God's like, just wait, just wait. I was like, okay, and then I went to plan a trip to get on the cruise ship, and he's like. Didn't I say, wait, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to wait to to put a title on it. But I'm going to go on a cruise. Yeah, this he's is like, completely unrelated. He's like, you know, maybe doing things your own way isn't a good idea. That didn't work out well for Abraham necessarily. So maybe
0: just wait. Well, we've um, learned a lot since then, God. We, we understand how to navigate <laughs> these things much more efficiently now. <laughs> Abraham makes some rookie mistakes.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm different. I'm better than him. Right. <laughs> And, uh, so I was like, okay, I decided to stay and I wanted to get irritated with God, but I realized that, that not now isn't no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm still prayerfully seeking, you know, I think that, that she's the one that God is putting in my life. You know, there's lots of boxes that are checked about how she engages with the gospel and how she would share it and, and things, uh, hopes and dreams and ways of serving the Lord together. You know, all this stuff just seems to, seems to come together. So she comes home on January 29th, Okay, from the cruise. from the cruise. OK? So she comes home and she' is actually planned three months later to go to Australia to her next her next gig. Okay. And she comes home, you know, I, I meet her. I think I meet her in the family, like we had been out a couple times before, but now we're like seriously meeting, like with intention, you know? Mm-hmm. So we do that a little bit, and my plan was, because I was going to take her to the Creation Museum for Valentine's Day. My plan was to be like, so we sh- can we call this something? Like, it's so weird the dating scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we be boyfriend and girlfriend? Like, that's what I'm thinking. Can we be boyfriend and girlfriend? Can can we actually be a thing? And that was that was my plan. And my mom warns me before she even gets off the the airplane, January 29th. She's like, you are prepared to propose, right? I was like, no. God said, wait. I, I I'm waiting, right? Right. So these things turn and God's pushing me towards, no, you should, you should probably propose. And I was like, man, how, I don't know about this. So, long story short, I propose on February 17th and we get married March 23rd.
0: The moment you said that, I instinctively wanted to say, breaks! <laughs> <laughs> like, that is a short
1: window. Yeah. Like, that's almost I'm going to war. Uh huh. It's crazy. And it was weird how it unfolded because I, so like once I thought that maybe I should propose, I talked to you about it and you sent me the, the bitmoji of spitting out cereal. (laughs) (laughs) That seems appropriate. Yeah. And I was looking, I was like, yeah, that's, that's right. That's the response that I expected. And, uh, I was like this, but this is what I believe God is saying this is what i want and you were saying no and her parents were like we're we're about it and i was like not just i want to get married to your daughter i want i I don't think i said no no you didn't
0: yeah you said i said no
1: oh did i Uh okay no you you said to we'll pump the brakes right
0: yeah i said are you sure
1: right and you were like if you're sure that this is something god wants you to do but you personally were hesitant
0: Oh yeah, there's no way I would do this if I was in your shoes. Right,
1: so you were were supporting me in obedience to God, but outside of that, you're like, you're crazy. Pretty much. Because I didn't just want to propose. For whatever reason, I was like, we need to get married before you go back on a cruise ship. Like being engaged and being on a cruise ship for six months is not going to bode well. That's not what we're doing here. If you're dead set on going on a cruise ship for whatever reason, God said, we get married before you go. And my mom was behind it, and you were like, "Yeah, only if you're sure it's God.
0: Right, because I, I hadn't met her. Right. Uh, you know, hadn't talked to her, no FaceTime, nothing. I don't even know what this woman looks like. Yeah. You know. It was,
1: it, it was weird.
0: Yeah, and then there's the, the, the rush time frame. I mean, everything's expedited. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned a lot because I'm like, you know, this is my boy. Right. And getting married is a huge deal. It is. And, you know, one of the things you're not telling the audience is that we had been waiting collectively uh, a long time for God to fulfill what you believe he had said to you. Yes. You know, about the type of woman he was going to send you and all of this. And stuff. he even
1: sent like a or like showed me like a, a screenshot or a picture. He's like, I have someone for you is what he told me coming out of the last relationship.
0: Right. And so I'm like, is this really it? You know, there were a lot of questions to to be sorted through. Mm -hmm. The only thing I was really relying on was that I had seen, this is why his character thing is so important. I had seen you put your money where your mouth is Uh when it came to what you believe God was saying, right? You, Mm -hmm. when you believe God said, walk away from something you love the most, you walked away. When you believe God said, move out, you moved out. Mm -hmm. When you believe God said, don't go, you didn't go. Right. So you've got a track record of, taking what you believe God has said very seriously. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to stand against that. Okay. But you better be daggone sure <laughs> that you heard from God. Cause this is, this is non-traditional at best.
1: Right. Right. And she, she wasn't even hundred percent on board. Like she wanted to get married or get engaged, but she didn't know about before Australia. Cause she left for Australia in April. Okay. So it had to happen quick. And I didn't even know if this was possible. Like I hadn't, I've never planned a wedding or anything, but I'm just like, this is what I think God is telling me. And there was so much pushback from her family and from her. And I was like, it was another one of those moments where I get irritated with God, which luckily has happened less and less because I get smarter. But I was like, why'd you even make me like this? Like you designed me the person to do, you know, all that stuff you said, move Mm -hmm. out, do whatever, to execute what I know. That's how you wired me. And you told me to do this. Why'd you tell me to do this if Because I can't force her to marry me. Like, that's not possible if you're not going to make this thing happen. So I was like, you know, whatever it is, God, unless you give me breaks, I'm punching forward. Because this is how you made me. And he's like, ha ha. That was a very unsettling laugh for me. (laughs) It wasn't like a, you got it, boy. All right, let's do this. It was like, oh, you're just out making outlandish claims here. Let's see if you can back it up. Kayla had gone out of town to, mm. to sort her thoughts, and at this point, her parents were like, "Look, we 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 like you. We're all about you. You know, getting married, just not before the cruise, or not before she leaves for her next contract. Not going to happen." So, th- so this is all. Ha- then and then, God's. Lo- I tell God, "I'm just going full board unless you give me breaks. I'm not listening to anybody else. This is what you told me. I'm going. Go, like, ah, cool. go from that to." uh Kayla's mom had dropped out of school that quarter to plan a wedding what why I don't know I never talked to her she went from no we're not doing this before to dropping her school classes so she could invest all of her time to plan a wedding okay I was like all right cool and then Kayla gets back from the trip and she's like all right I'm on board let's do this So all this stuff starts happening, and I'm like, okay. B- but it's making me nervous. And we had talked about, like, if this is the case, then God needs to make a way. You know, that was the the whole pitch to Kayla because mm-hmm. she wasn't even 100%. She's like, we can do this, but there's some things that I've always wanted in, in a wedding. And I was like, okay, then ask. Like, if God is going to make this happen, then God's going to make this happen. And I'm saying this stuff.
0: But you don't 100% believe this.
1: Not exactly. Like not not in an experiential way, right? This is good for a Ryan Dean, who asks, you know, you feels you have to be a hundred percent convinced, right? I know it to be true in like a, a conceptual way. Mm-hmm. I don't know it to be true like I've been there, I've done it, right? So you know, I'm spewing this stuff out, and one of the things that she wanted was a dress, and she's a very tall individual. You just don't find dresses like that, and. You know, usually you have to ship them out and it takes a couple months to, right. get, to get them fitted and stuff. She found a dress locally that almost fit, found a, a, uh, a local tailor. I don't know if they're called ta- dressmaker, whatever. Seamstress. Seamstress. There you go. Okay. They could do it. I'm like, oh yeah, we, we can do it a couple weeks before you get married. I was like, okay, that's a thing. Uh, the, the date of our wedding We picked, like, we looked at everyone's schedules. We said March 23rd. I already had the day scheduled off of work. It was a random Friday. I just, you know, threw it on the board. I'm already scheduled off. We go to this place called Water's Edge, and we go in, and they're like, look, we're booked every weekend for at least six months. And we were like, oh, so you probably don't have March 23rd off, which is, I mean, we're talking into February. It's just a month away. And she kind of chuckled at us. She's like, yeah, probably not and goes through, turns to the, the March page and looks at it and looks at us, looks back at the page, like flips back and forth like she doesn't believe it. And she was like, actually, March 23rd is open. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, let, let, let's do it. Then I have to find a ring. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm still trying to recover from the financial situation of, you know, paying off my debts and, and all of that. So I don't have a whole lot of money to put on this thing. Right. So I, I I picked a figure, you know, and I prayed about it. And I said, this is what I have. And this is what I can, you know, put down and all of that. Shop all over Columbus. And every time I go into a place, they're like, this small two-foot section of the counter is all you get to choose from. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, it was humiliating. I remember I walked out of Meyers Jewelers and grabbed my keys out of my pocket. And I still had straw in my pocket from helping my dad on the farm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't belong in this place. I've got it felt like a like a cartoon or whatever. Like I got dirt in my pockets instead right, of money. Right. So humiliating. Right, I get it. So last place I checked, and then I had to go to work, and I was I was like, if there's nothing here, then maybe this isn't of God. Like I don't know how to get a ring. So I go in and I I ask around a couple places in the mall, and um, nobody has anything. And the last place in the mall, the last uh, place in the mall, the last place I have time to look, all of that. And I tell them, I'm like, look, I've been through all the rigmarole with everyone else. I was like, this is what I can spend. This is what I'm looking for. They go, oh, okay, cool. We might have something for you. I was like, all right, cool. So so they give it to me and I look at it and it's the the style that we had talked about. It's what she wanted. I was like, yes, this is it. I look at the price tag three times what I told them I could pay. Oh, so I got irritated. I almost like almost slammed it down but I'm not that dumb cuz I'd have to pay for it. Right. So I like said on the counter slide it across and I at this point all pleasantries and I was like clearly you weren't listening to me. I told you I could only spend this much and why are you giving me this knowing full well I can't afford it? I'm out. And I go to leave and they're like no actually we have a 50% off deal and a 75% off deal. I was like so you're going to pay me to take the ring? And they're like that's not how it works. All right. So I got 50% off and then what was left of that? I got 75% off. What was that?
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't like to, to impulse buy. So I was like, if I come back later, can you give me this price? Like, like that's not enough divine intervention. And they're like, right. yeah, that's fine. So I leave and I call my mom and she's like, go back. And I call a lady from work, and she's like, what are you doing? Go back in there and buy this thing. Is this our good friend? Yes, yes. Because this
0: sounds like that. Yeah, this.
1: she's like, you are dumb.
0: You got cussed out.
1: Yeah, get off the phone with me, <laughs> get back in there and buy that ring. So I was like, okay, and there's still this reservation. Like, it has to be sized, right? Yeah. Most places have to send that out, and it takes a week. And it was that weekend that I was going to propose. Okay. So I walked back in. I was like, okay, I want the ring. And I was able to get the ring and like the like the wedding band and everything for a little less than I had even prayed about. Wow. And I was like, "Look, I know you guys have to size these and and you have to send them out." And they're like, "Actually, we can do them in-store, but our our goldsmith or whatever is only here one day a week." And it wasn't the day I was there. Okay. And I was like, "Oh, okay. I said I get I I still need them, but and as we're talking, the guy comes out of the back and he's like, I was just coming in today to do a couple things. Shut up. And she's like, oh, well, this is a goldsmith. He can do it today. No. Yes. Are you serious? Dead serious. Wow. So I got it for less than I needed and then I got it sized the same day.
0: Isn't that crazy? That is insane, bro. <laughs> like I remember some of these details. I don't remember them all because it's not my life. Right, right. But I remember you called me on some of this stuff. I forgot the sizing part.
1: Yeah. Insane. Like in all of these things came every single time Kayla and I were like, this isn't going to work out because of this catastrophic detail. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say instantly, but very quickly within a day or so, God was like, oh no, it's fixed. Here it is. Hmm. We had a close friend that I'm not even sure I remembered at the time, but she made wedding cakes, So she's like, I'll do it for free nice yeah just thing after thing after thing and we're like oh if we don't get this it might not work and god would be like well here you go and here you go and here you go so it it was insane it now it'd be nice if it was the fairy tale story and like they live happily ever after right no you and the missus aren't together anymore oh no we're still together oh, okay it's not always happy though well, it's, they, it's a real thing.
0: What, what, did, what did this lady said? There was a lady at one of the churches I was at where she, uh, she's been married for, I think, like 25, 30 years or whatever. Uh-huh. And she used to have this saying, you know, when it came to her and her husband said, you know, today on our way to church, we had some intense fellowship. But <laughs> so sometimes you got to have intense fellowship uh-huh. as you walk this thing out. Right. Yeah. Now, the fairy tales don't tell you about that part. No, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it
1: happens. It, yeah. And part of me got a little discouraged because we've had some some dark, rough periods, whatever. And I think this was actually the last time that I got an attitude with God. And I was dealing with some of the same relational issues and things. And when he tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, that's what I'm saving you from, those things started to surface a little bit. And I got irate, like any normal ignorant human would do. And I was like, what is the point? Why'd you take me out of all that, send me around all this ridiculousness just to give me the same problems that I was having before? Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. I was like, what have you done? What did you do? What have you put in my life? I don't know where I get off talking to people like this. My mom probably should have slapped me a little bit so I'd know how to talk to God with a little bit more respect. That's cool. I'll take that job
0: on, just take the burden off of her. Shoulder. Oh,
1: no, I'm, I'm grown now. No, I just no, 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 no. I'll like no, 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 no.
0: just make sure that you stay on the track. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it cognitive readjustments. <laughs>
1: I just see my brain like shifting in my head when you, you adjust it now. How about now? And uh, God, just—he was real calm about it, actually, which is disturbing, you know. And he goes, "You are." And I was like, "I am what?" He's like, "You are what's different in your life now." Now I'm starting to sweat because I realize there's a there's a truth here that I've been overlooking in this whole. Analysis.
0: I think about this time, dude, because in our friendship, mm-hmm. we had developed a lot of this, what, what's God saying to you? Uh-huh. Right? And I think we would trade stories back and forth on stuff we, we thought God was saying to us. Uh-huh. And I think about at this point, we were getting a little bit more free. And talking with God and his returns were a bit more free. <laughs> yes. Right? So uh-huh. what have you done? <laughs> oh, I changed you. Oh, that don't make no sense.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he was like, you, you. What have I been doing? I've been changing and shaping you. I've been putting hard work in here. You want to know what's different in your life? You. You want to know what tools, what assets that you have to make your life better now? You. You messed it up before. You were unequipped before. Now you can do it. Stop crying. I was like,
0: okay, <laughs> right, right, because <laughs> that one hurts. That's a gut check.
1: It, yeah, it is. But it's, I love it because we're always saying you gotta pray and you gotta work. Mm-hmm. And my life has had so many moments where God intervened, right? So many moments that are clear miracles. All the things for the wedding, the the weather in Daytona, the coffee, the telling me it's safe to go home, all this stuff. But but God doesn't. Just make you a bed of roses. You still got to do work. Right. What's different? You are. What's here to make things better? You are. Stop crying. You got to do both. I needed both. I had to pray and I had to work. And one of the things that I like we've uh, about The Chosen, you know, we talk about it a lot, but in, in the first season, I think it's Mary Magdalene, she has this quote. She said, before I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between... Was him.
0: I remember that.
1: And and that's my story. That's my anecdote. You know, that's my eyewitness account of the gospel being alive and real to change things.
0: So if they came to you, Christopher, and they said, Does Jesus really make a difference? Like we've we've heard the talk. We we hear people constantly say, Oh, God changed me. Oh, I'm a different person. And then go ahead and be stuck in all sorts of different sin cycles. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to your life and your personal relationship with God, can you say that following Jesus makes a sizable difference?
1: Absolutely. I would never go back. All right. My life isn't measurably, like from the world standard, better Like, I don't have a bigger condo now. I don't have a larger family now. I don't have a larger paycheck now. Oh, you do. You got a larger family. Oh, I do. I do. You're right. You're right. (laughs) You you, you do. But uh, it's, it's it's not all. Wait, even paycheck. I did change jobs. Yeah. You changed jobs and pay rates. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, now that's two out of three. No, it is. But I'm just trying to make the point that. In all of the earthly measurements, it's not better. That That's not what the relationship is. That's not the
0: core focus. Right. It wasn't about improving your income. Right. It wasn't about, you know, material acquisition.
1: Yeah. I am better inside and out. I am different. I am more equipped. I am more solid. I have more peace. I, and I don't want to make it all about me. Like it's, it makes a difference. Yeah, Jesus makes a difference. I mean, I'm not sure how else to to take that apart. I think that's it. Okay. I mean, I had done the self help, I'd done the counseling, I'd done the church thing, but the the thing that was different is surrendering to what Jesus said, surrendering to the person of Jesus.
0: And for you, that came at that moment of I can't do it anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, several moments of I can't do this anymore. Okay. Yeah, it it was a longer process than than I'd like to admit, but it was worth it. You know, the whole my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Mm-hmm. That period of change was I mean, it was only maybe a couple of years. Okay. And it is so freeing to be free of guilt to 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 have uh, defined purpose to be plugged into a group of people that feel the same, to have the indwelling Holy spirit, the peace that he offers the spiritual authority over places. I mean, it's, it's so much more than just Jesus can heal you. Like it's a, it's a, it's a life changing, uh, dimensional penetrating adventure. Okay. You know, the, um, what is it? The uh, string theory or just modern physics says that, you know, we live in about 10 dimensions. Mm-hmm. Four of them that we can measure, but 10 of them are unknowable, unknowable, but but they're there. Right. So so you in order to have a greater life on a on a cosmic scale, they're Got immeasurable the math wrong on that. What? We said four, 10 of them are unknowable. four and six. Yeah, it's what four we and say?
0: six, four and 10.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it's 14.
0: Yeah, I was like, That's so he's still a lot working on making me smarter. Apparently, no, I just thought he was adding to the universe. <laughs> I was like, this dude's still getting downloads.
1: No, so it has to be non-physical things to be able to enrich existence on a holistic level. Okay, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just be you. Your your focus and intention cannot be derived from four dimensions. There's so much more to it. Now I get that one of the scriptures that has spoken to me through this whole thing because I had to give everything up is uh, Matthew ten thirty nine. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And my life is a testament to that. I literally gave up. Not my life is in the fact that I died, but like all of the things that I had worked for in my life, I handed over. And Again, it was difficult, but I love being on this side because now I'm equipped to do that. It makes me—I need to work on being harsh with other people. I'm like, just give it up. I did it. So sometimes I forget the 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 difficulty of it, you know. But it it really is freeing being on this side. I have a, a new, better life for the one that I gave up for Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you. Another one that I that. I have to keep in mind is the, the first Peter five, eight to be sober and village vigilant. vigilant because as much as Jesus did in my life, it comes with a responsibility. Any good gift comes with a responsibility. You get a car. You need to know how to drive. You get a firearm. You need to know how to use it. Any good gift requires responsibility and work on your side. So the ideality idea that we have to be vigilant because the devil you know, there is the enemy that tries to tear us down. We can't just be like, oh, well, my God is powerful, so I can sit on the couch and do nothing. Right. You know, it, it requires it requires both. And like I was saying in the beginning of this episode, Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's why I wanted to sit down and articulate this. Hmm. Because there is... We can overcome our testimony, our experience, the things that we've seen, the, the, the stories that we have, the experience that comes from living out the gospel message gives it legs to stand on today. Like we're reading the, the firsthand accounts of people 2,000 years ago. We can be the people today that are experiencing the same power. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in us. Hmm. It's not nothing. Yeah, it's not no. a Sunday thing. Right. It's, it's a We can overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony.
0: I think that's dope, man, because so often this world makes you feel as though you, there's no hope. You're stuck where you are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how much you try, you'll never get free. You'll never get on the other side. You'll never have what it is you think you need. You will always be in this place of lack and you might as well give up, if not end it altogether.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the idea of overcoming can seem so foreign to a person. Yeah. Especially if they've bought not only bought into that reality, but if the experience of experiences of their life have reinforced that narrative. Yeah. It is very hard to overturn it. And so I think, I think moments like this where people open up and they're willing to expose the pages of their life to be seen and they're willing to actually say, this is what my life was like and all of its, its, its decadence. Mm-hmm. Right? All of its lasciviousness, all of its salaciousness. These are wonderful big words. They're good. It's nice,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't normally
0: roll like that. <laughs> you Gotta know? end
1: strong. Gotta end strong. You got
0: to. You got to. You got to do that for the audience. <laughs> um, not only is this what my life was like, but this is the change that's happened. A very tangible, real change. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't due to, to self-help. It wasn't due to positive thinking. It wasn't due even to circumstantial changes and the, the fabric and quality of my life. It was due to the fact that I met a person that superseded all of that mm-hmm. and gave me a real relationship with them. And via that relationship gave me the power to deal with the issues in my life. Yeah. That's huge.
1: It's amazing. And just in case I forgot to touch on it, the brother that I tried to murder, we have a great relationship. We talk every week. We still, when we can get our schedules together, we can go on motorcycle trips. My dad that I watched beat my brothers and, and, and abuse me, I have a great relationship with him now. My parents who had divorced because they couldn't get anything right, remarried. And all of it is a testament to, to centering those relationships and, and, and steeping them in prayer in Jesus Christ. All of those things can be fixed. And even if there's there's not the possibility that, can ha- that that can happen in this life, we have hope for the future. We have eternal promises. You know, one day we won't be fighting every day against the forces of darkness that are trying to bring us down. Right. One day we'll be able to emerge from our ignorance triumphant. Looking forward to that. Me too and one day we'll be able to revel in the eternal victory that is in Jesus Christ. That's what everyone who loves and surrenders themselves to Jesus Christ has, hope, no matter what, hope.
0: But until then, we have to remember that we're deployed to this dystopian rock, but we have to live out our days pushing towards our destiny as we expose the works of darkness and encourage others to do the same. We'll continue to stalk the enemy from behind the mic.